pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Howdy, ladies and gentlemen. Howdy, howdy, howdy. How is it going? Good evening, all, and welcome to... Is today Monday? Today is a Monday, isn't it? Today is Monday, Monday, Monday. How was your Monday today, ladies and gentlemen? I don't know about you guys, but I think I had a pretty good Monday for myself. You know, uh, ha had a little... Uh, uh, walk this uh i guess afternoon or so got myself you know i went walking for donuts this afternoon ladies and gentlemen and uh it was quite satisfying you know uh not just any donut but an actual donut you know do not sell to me ladies and gentlemen a donut that is baked i will not have it okay <laughs> Do not be, uh, do not be uh, surprised and or ashamed and or insulted when I turn away that donut that is baked. Never show me a baked donut. Anyways, guys, what a way to start off a Monday show. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. I hope everyone's doing fine this evening. Uh, I wasn't here this afternoon. You know, I was actually working on stuff behind the scenes this afternoon for the C-Report such as is and or and the uh, podcast side of the show you know as you can see here up in the little streamer above you know if uh you've uh, been catching the c report for any length of time on any of my channels across the platforms i stream on um you know you can always uh support the show you know um we've had some new subscribe we should i should say followers over at rumble you know, I think we lost one at Twitch, unfortunately, but oh well, you know, I don't know. 
how's it going what's up yes and then of course uh, as ever we have friends hanging out over at the foxhole app and pill.net we have lee worth and i were having a uh, little conversation there whilst the music was jamming you know i've been in a rather uh, curious mood lately i mean i've been uh, i've been uh, i don't know i've been vibing on the 60s era type of music ladies and gentlemen I mean, I, I mean, I guess it kind of uh, sprawled out from like, I don't know, Vietnam era-esque type of interest in like, uh, you know, rock and roll and um, you know, garage rock of that era. And then just kind of went from there. And so, you know, I've, I've kind of found a treasure trove and or smorgasbord of such types of um, music, music computations. And uh, been enjoying on that, you know, the, I actually, you know, the only reason why I'm also talking about it is because I was uh, doing a little pre-show bit over at Rumble this afternoon. I should say this evening, actually. Well, you know what? If it's Hawaii, it's probably this afternoon. So, right? This afternoon? Anyways. So, hey, Hawaii, what's going on? Anyways, guys. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyways. So, as I was saying, uh, yeah, I was playing it over at Rumble. Hey, Rumble, what's going on? Thanks for, uh hanging out this evening welcome again to the new followers over at rumble um follow along you know tonight i've got uh, some news to share with you guys once again uh lee worth was saying uh that she would like some good news so you know we'll start with some good news today miss lee worth now it, i don't know that it is uh you know effectual for your neck of the woods lee worth but it's definitely for my neck of the woods you know, and so uh, we'll start with uh, the uh, elections that took place this past Saturday here in my neck of the woods. You know, uh, there are like um, off-season, you know, uh, you know, elections happening. You know, just like just like every year. So you know, uh, you might want to check your local municipality and see if you have elections coming in your neck of the woods. You know, it's like uh, we were last reporting on Luzerne County, Pennsylvania. They have a uh, primary, I think it is. They said coming up on May sixteenth. So that is about a week away from now, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, as far as the number of days go. So, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, uh, yeah, over in San Antonio, you know, I mean. Um, the title's the spoiler, I guess, you know, I don't need to keep you guys in suspense. Uh, we had Proposition A uh, on the ballot, and it was summarily defeated. Now, I've already kind of given you guys my, um, what's the word, my, uh, my, my, my analysis on why <laughs> Prop A was defeated, but we'll, we'll get into it. We've got details. I mean, it was, it was literally a landslide defeat, but uh, anyways... So, uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, Lee Worth, I have to say, it really just depends on one's definition of good news, you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that's good news. To defeat a Prop A was good news. You know, it, it ensured at least that we wouldn't have smash and grabs here in San Antonio. And uh, that we wouldn't uh, have abortion decriminalized, you know? That we would not have abortion decriminalized. What a precedence that would have set had that passed. But I don't know. If you ask me, that's a little bit of a sick, sticky situation, you know. And then, of course, uh, we had um, uh, we had uh, oh what uh, what else what else is on the menu for tonight, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, we have RFK Jr. Of course. 
uh, calling out the CIA for the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So uh, that's another story that, you know, I thought, well, hey, let's take a look at this for tonight. And then, you know, there's a there's a good old Joe Blow Biden story in the mix for you guys. Another spy scandal on whistleblowers. You know, they seem to really be on, you know, kill mode for whistleblowers, you know. It's, you know, the era of the whistleblowers, like, right, you know, in, in the 2020s, ladies and gentlemen, and maybe just a little bit before that. Well, maybe just the 2000s. Maybe from 2000 on, it was just like all these whistleblowers. So, um, you know, that's why stories like um, the Assange story and what's happening with him, you know, and he's not even the whistleblower, ladies and gentlemen. He was the publisher, the journalist, right? I mean, the whistleblowers are the ones that he was protecting. So that makes it even worse, you know? <laughs> so, isn't that crazy, guys? That is just, well, I'll be... You know, like, it's just that kind of a thing. So, anyways, guys. So, you know, uh, earlier today, I was working on the backside of the podcast. So, you know, just real quickly, ladies and gentlemen, you know, if you do uh, like uh, having podcast, if you are a podcast audience person, like you like using, you know, your ears instead of your eyes, you know, you can always um, head over to, uh, well, you can find the C Report and the work I do on all major podcasts, I think except for like, uh, you know, um, what is that one called? iHeartRadio. I think that's the only one that we're not really on. But you know, like if you have an Android system, if you have an Apple otherwise known as iOS, right? You can always check to find me there. You can follow along there, you know. Um, and uh, you can also do so at uh, other such places, such as the foxhole.appill.net, twitch.tv, odyssey, you know. I haven't, I, you know, I'm back building on the backside, guys. I'm trying to catch up, you know. So that's why I was like, you know, the podcast, we're about, I don't know, about three episodes shy of getting it all caught up. And, you know, there are video episodes, too. So, you know, if, well, actually, I, should, I take that back. Only on the Spotify app do you have the option of having the video episode for the C-Report. So, you know, you can get it there as well, you know. But otherwise, you know, if you'd like to support, you know, the work I do here at the C-Report uh, on these channels, uh, you know, you can always uh, become a monthly subscriber at um, uh, websites such as the foxhole.app or pill.net. Uh, you can subscribe at Twitch, you know, if you have a Twitch account. Um, if you have an Odyssey account, like I said, I haven't done a whole lot of building over there for the moment. Um, I'm probably going to be dropping a lot of clips over at Odyssey, and then, you know, I'll, I'll see, you know, if I get any interest over there, whether or not I'll pursue, you know, doing a bigger build or something like that. Or, you know, like I said, you can always um, support at Spotify as well. Uh, you know, I think at Spotify they also use, what's the, uh, what is the term, um, Apple Pay? So, you know, you can do Apple Pay or you can use, you know, any other means there as well. So, I mean, that's just another option for those of you who like options, you know. So, anyways, but now I thank you all as well. You know, over at Pill.net and the Foxhole app, we have the C-Team, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it's great to see the C-Team hanging out, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you are a pill.net listener or a foxhole.app uh, listener and account holder, you know, I would encourage you to join the C-Team today and get your monthly subscription. <laughs> and, you know, of course, you're also supporting the uh, platform as well 
when you do so, my friends. And uh, Lee Worth, thank you for dropping that um, website. And there's the CReport.com. Yes, there, there. That is a more concise way to find out how you can support this broadcast. Thank you, Lee Worth. <laughs> I'm trying to get better at doing that, you know, at, at like uh, doing that, ladies and gentlemen. So this way I don't have to do it anymore later on in the show, you know, and we can just keep on going, right? Okay, y'all. So thanks for hanging out again tonight. I've got a show ahead of you all today. I don't know that I could say that there's a particular theme that's running through tonight's episode. You know, like I said, we're going to start off with some hometown news. That's for me. You know, it seems like to everyone, it seems like to me that, like, you know, Texas might be under attack. I think I've heard that, you know, um, and and there have been uh, many incidents in the last uh, week alone, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that are causing uh, uh, many to pause and, of course, uh, are being milked and exploited by the mainstream media to the point that, of course, you have to wonder if they are somewhat agenda-setting again. Now, again, ladies and gentlemen, you know I talk about the ever-elusive they, right? The ever-elusive they that we can never seem to figure out who they are. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk a little bit about they tonight, right? Okay, so... <laughs> hey, Kiss, what is going on? Good to see you. All right, first member of the C-Team has arrived. Good evening, Kiss. Good to see you. My dear sweet friend, I hope you are doing well tonight. Okay, so let's see what, you know, and then, okay, so, you know, I also have a, a weird story for you guys tonight. I don't quite understand the story that I'm going to be presenting to you guys tonight, but then again, you guys probably saw the last episode where I was talking about this uh, burning effigy to Theranos, and everyone's like, oh my god, this guy's so lower class, he doesn't even know what Theranos is. <laughs> This guy is so plebeian, he's so pedestrian, he has no idea that Theranos is not a pagan deity. <laughs> what a pushover. Okay, so anyways, guys. But no, so I, you know, I just, I don't understand. There's some things I just don't understand, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I really just, I'm trying to wrap my head around things without, you know, putting my foot in anything, you know what I mean? So anyways... We'll take a look at a weird story today featuring a weird character that's come up in a weird way. And the only reason why it has come to my attention is because, you know, in addition to working on the behind the scenes stuff today for the Sea Report, I was clipping out some more segments for easier digestion, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I also have a bit shoot. I don't really generally, you know, uh, promote my bit shoot page, you know, but I'm just saying. Uh, because I like, I like dive bombed them with like all of these clips the other day. And I was like, ha ha. Anyways, Mr. C is back. Ha ha. Anyways. So, but anyways, so, you know, that's some of the stuff that I was doing right for, you know, other, other methods of, uh, sharing my work and stuff like that. But ladies and gentlemen, but, 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 but. Um, I was also, um, you know, uh, kind of reading and digging on some stuff. Like, I, I was digging more into the uh, Praz uh, Michelle story, you know, that we covered uh, the other night in the previous episode. So, the Praz Michelle Obama um, illegal lobbying 
money scandal, you know, or, you know, the, uh, you know, Fraz Michel money laundering and bribery scandal. I mean, the guy's going to go away for, I think, 20 to 50, maybe the guy from the Fugees. You know, it's a pretty big story. So, you know, like we were talking about it, you know, in the previous episode. And uh, this is stories probably, I think, all about, but, you know, a week and a half aged, right? And, you know, so I was like, okay, so I, I told you guys last night, I was like, well, I'm going to go look for, like, you know, like a court, like, you know, document, you know, like um, an, an affidavit, an amend, amended petition, you know, a complaint, you know? So I found some stuff, right? And then, like, I don't know, it's just uh, some other stuff came up, right? <laughs> I'm like, what does this have? Why is this person popping up in this story? Okay, so we'll just, I don't know, it's just some weird stuff, guys. So, you know, so we'll do that for tonight, you know, because, you know, today I was, like, kind of doing stuff behind the scenes. You know, tomorrow I think I might do, uh, I think tomorrow we might also do, I think, an, uh, another installment of Vote Scan vote scam excuse me uh so for those of you who are familiar vote scam is um another i guess kind of project type thing i'm running here it's like it's like a book on audio you know uh it's talking about election fraud and election rigging that happened in the 1970s ladies and gentlemen it was published in 1992 uh you know it's a generation apart and i, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's suppressed information but I think it's definitely something that did not catch fire. I think it was definitely lightning. It was definitely lightning that did not get uh, trapped in a bottle. And it's a shame because the book reads like it should have been published last year with everything that we have learned, ladies and gentlemen. Everything that we have learned from uh, 2020 up to this point. What you think, huh? I think so. Hey, Thong Chaser, what's up? I see over there. Freedom intensify. You see it, don't you? Right? Indeed it does. Indeed it does, Thong Chaser. <laughs> Thanks for popping in to say hello. So, you know, I guess, you know, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we'll just, uh, we'll just pop on in and get started with some new stories for this evening. And uh, then we'll uh, see where that leaves us. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a couple other thing, other things I have, uh, you know, on on tonight's, uh, you know, review of sorts, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, again, I would say, I guess, you know, uh, just as by way of uh, closing up this bit of housekeeping. Uh, thanks again to all of those who have followed uh, or subscribed recently, and uh, your continued support of this broadcast is greatly appreciated. So thank you again. All right, guys. So. Let's pop into news mode before the night gets too long. Okay, uh, here we go. Okay, so the first story for tonight, as promised, a little bit of good news, right? A little bit of good news. Now, like I said, you know, like, I guess it really depends on what you all define as a win, right, ladies and gentlemen? Like, what do you define as a win? I mean, this is definitely a win, if you ask me. Like, you know, this is definitely uh, something that uh, we can applaud. But you, how, for whatever reason it might be, uh, I, I think a deeper analysis of this might show an interesting uh, face to the city of San Antonio. Uh, the criminal justice-focused ballot measure lost by a margin of about 72% against 
against two, 28%. Okay, come on, can't you? Come on, San Antonio. Can't you edit your own? Can't you copyright your own? Copyright edit your own? Anyways, okay, so uh, for, okay, so yeah, it failed. Okay, so it was a total failure. So you know what? You know, applaud San Antonio because, you know, um, you know, they uh, voted not to decriminalize abortion. Okay. I mean, that's number one. Okay. Uh, they voted not to uh, decriminalize smash and grabs. Okay. Uh, they voted not to decriminalize home invasions. They voted not to decriminalize, uh, you know, uh, vandalism. Okay. So, uh, yay on San Antonio. Uh, they also uh, voted not to decriminalize up to four ounces of weed. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's some, that's some good stuff right there, if you ask me, guys. Like, that is some good stuff. So, anyways, y'all. I don't know how you, I mean, I mean, this doesn't really pertain to, you know, everyone who's watching this broadcast, but, you know, if you are interested in your own backyard, if you are interested in, you know, what you can do, I mean, of course, being involved in the elections, as many stories as I share with you guys about the election fraud, you know, and, and, and as it has been said before, fraud has become institutionalized in our nation. What do y'all think? And when I say you all, I don't mean like you, what do you, I mean, generically speaking, what does it mean that, you know, our, um, you know, uh, that our government, our nation has institutionalized fraud? That means that every part of it has, like, there's, like, an SOP for it. Like, you know, it's become part of the government, <laughs> you know? So, I don't know how else to understand that, you know? And that's pretty deep. And, you know, when, when we learn about such stories as, like, books like Vote Scam, again, this is the book that we're doing kind of like, a, um, we're doing a, um, a live book reading of it currently on this channel, you know, we'll probably do another installment tomorrow, you know, where we last left off, no, just kidding, <laughs> I'm not gonna do that, guys, anyways, but, you know, you guys, if you've been following along, you know, you guys uh, can check it out uh, or, you know, just go check out a copy for yourself. If you know, you're not the anticipatory, if you don't want to, you know, wait in anticipation, it's uh, the book is called Vote Scam, The Stealing of America. It was written by James M. Collier and Kenneth F. Collier. Uh, they are two form. They were they were two uh, investigative journalist brothers. Uh, I think their whole family was like investigative journalists, you know, so. Anyways, a uh, very interesting story, ladies and gentlemen, and, and it's a story that comes from a period of time that I don't think many of us understood, knew, or realized was even happening. I mean, it was from the 1970s, ladies and gentlemen. The 1970s, right? Anyways, and it was published in 92. Uh, it's just so interesting. Anyways, so let's talk about Proposition A, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, because that is the talk of the town, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so it says here, Proposition A was defeated by a large margin. Okay. The measure was the biggest turnout driver this election. Now, so this is interesting because when I went to go vote on Saturday, because Saturday was election day, that is the day that I cast my vote with pride, ladies and gentlemen. I will never let anyone... 
make me feel bad just because I told everyone to vote on election day and so that's when they attacked. Duh, that was the plan. Hello. Anyways, okay. So as I was saying, on Saturday when I went to go vote, and it was interesting because, you know, I, I've um, voted at this particular uh, polling site for probably the last three or four elections. And you're like, three or four elections? How long have you been there, Mr. C? Well, you know, when you vote for every election, then there's usually like two, two to four, like in a two-year period. So <laughs> Yeah, that's right. There's two to four elections in a two-year period. So, yeah, so I voted there for, like, three to four times. And, like, you're like, wow, I didn't know there were that many elections. Well, maybe you should look up when elections happen in your area, okay? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say. Anyways, so I was talking with the uh, precinct judge, okay? And, you know, the thing about it is, is that, like, you know, I've talked with the precinct judge before. I've talked with, I've spoken with him, like, at least twice in two other elections, you know, and we've had conversation. So this time, I was, like, you know, um, I was waiting for my uh, party to finish voting, and, like, so I was uh, just, like, oh, you know, trying to have small talk, you know, small talk with these, uh, with these election workers, uh, you know, and just, you know, like, you know, shoot the breeze or whatever, you know, so, but the election judge got kind of nervous, and I was like, dude, like, we've talked, like, two or three times, okay, not two or three times, like, two times before, it was two times, okay, so I was like, so why are you acting kind of, like, herky-jerky, you know, and then, like, uh, the other lady who was there, uh, I, I didn't recognize her at first, but you, then I remembered her, yeah, I've seen her probably every time that I've been there also, just, just the same as the, uh, just the same as the precinct judge and so you know she was so i was like oh so how was the turnout the last time i went to go vote in a city or a municipal vote uh, was last year it was the city bond election and uh they had told me that only seven thousand san antonians had shown up to vote um and so i was like oh and so i thought he meant in my precinct okay um, and he was like, I think he said that there, I don't remember how many he said, I think, I guess there was like 170,000 in my precinct. I'm not sure what the number, I have no idea. Okay. But ladies and gentlemen, he, they said this year prior to, prior to early voting in San Antonio, you know, I guess we could pull up the numbers here online if you guys, uh, <laughs> want to fact check my story okay <laughs> anyways so uh they said that uh, only ten thousand people only ten thousand san antonians had shown up to vote ladies and gentlemen um by election day and so you know so they were like kind of, i don't know they were kind of they seemed kind of nervous to me whenever you know they were answering my question he seemed like he didn't know what to say and, and when I was like, when he said 10,000, I was like, in this precinct? And he was like, no. He was like, citywide. And then she she started like rifling through these papers. And there were these pink papers. And in retrospect, I wonder if she made this up. But she was all, she was all. <laughs> she was like, she was like, there were 10,000 voters last year in 2022 that showed up for the city municipality prior to early voting. And after election day, 17,000 San Antonians had voted. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, thank you. I, I, just, 
now I want to go check to see if it was real. Anyways, I mean, I have no reason to believe that the that was fake. <laughs> I don't know what the... It was like, they were like pink, like, I don't know, like these large pink papers. Anyways, so... <laughs> um, so that happened, okay, and... Um, you know, it's insane, though. So what they were basically saying, ladies and gentlemen, is that in a city of one million people, less than 20,000 people showed up to vote. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know how many people voted. But apparently 72% of the people who voted, myself included, voted down this proposition. Okay, and I carried the spirit of several of my listeners who are in unincorporated San Antonio and we went and we all voted together, okay, in spirit. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so uh so and that is the way it happened, ladies and gentlemen. That is the way it happened. Um it goes like this. Uh the measure was the biggest turnout driver and I could imagine so because this was to decriminalize weed okay to decriminalize weed and to decriminalize abortion okay so i mean like how did this not win right this is san antonio okay <laughs> how did this not win you guys know that this city is like it bleeds blue you know <laughs> i mean i near as i can tell no Democrats came out and voted, you know? <laughs> like, they couldn't be bothered. Which then makes you want... This is what the, this is what it makes me say, though. And, well, no, here's the thing. Okay, so this would make... Okay, anyone who analyzes, like, elections and votes, you know, whether they're novice or pro, you know, they might say something like, how is it that a city that traditionally votes Democrat managed to vote down the most democratically progressive like you know bill i mean a uh, uh, proposition to ever hit a city okay <laughs> whilst still maintaining their democrat and dirk leaders in office okay now for those of you who do not know what a dirk is ladies and gentlemen dirks mainly thrive in cities like san antonio okay uh, uh, cities like San Antonio breed. It's a breeding ground for Dirks, ladies and gentlemen. Dirks, of course, being the Democrats in Republican clothings, who, not unlike their, you know, distant cousins, the uh, the rhinos, ladies and gentlemen, uh, these people are traditionally against America first type policies and and are all about deception and duplicitousness and uh they're definitely dirks ladies and gentlemen so that is your lesson for today on dirks okay that's democrats in republican clothing okay uh, kiss can i get a can i get a stricker for dirks please and <laughs> democrats in republican clothing uh put something like kiss put something like do not do your laundry with dirks democrats in republicans <laughs> i don't know i'm terrible at this write something fancy kiss no just kidding i'm just playing i'm just playing kiss don't do that okay <laughs> i'm just playing kiss don't do that okay so let's get back to this um article here
right? Okay, so uh, we had so proposition A. Okay, so I'm going to tell viewers who may not know what was going on with proposition A now here in San Antonio. Beware, they might try and do this in your area. Okay, make sure you know when your city and your city bond elections are. Make sure. You vote in every election if you're not already involved in them. America, it's your duty, ladies and gentlemen, and it's your duty. Okay, so anyways, so this proposition was called the San Antonio Justice Charter. And it would have, yes, decriminalized marijuana possession up to four ounces, ladies and gentlemen, up to four ounces of marijuana. You too could have been selling marijuana on the corner. No, just kidding. I mean, you, I mean, I mean, it's for it's for personal use, okay, not for distribution, okay. We went over all the rules and regulations, like you know, a couple of shows ago. Uh, but needless to say, ladies and abortion, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it also decriminalized abortion, okay decriminalized abortion so that this way the police officers could not uh in any means by any means uh you know utilize their resources or their forces to um enforce texas state law ladies and gentlemen uh so you know that those two items alone you would think in a city like san antonio it would pass now i say again be careful because this is coming to a city near you you know they were doing this up in austin also i think though it was a county-wide measure they probably did both the county and the city-wide measure you know and then they ended up with people like ellen Troxclair, who was formerly a city council member if i'm not mistaken if i am please forgive me ellen Troxclair. But you, Ellen Truxclair, I think, are one of those duplicitous... I don't know if she's a rhino or a dirk. She could be a dirk. I mean, you know, uh, it's it's only 90 minutes between San Antonio and Austin. You know, those dirks roam up in Austin and they sow their wild oats up there too, ladies and gentlemen. That's what those dirks do. So anyways, guys. Um, okay, so getting back into this. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I said... Like I said, you would think they would have voted this in, right? Wouldn't you think? Would you not think? I would think it would be voted in, especially in a seat. I was scared, okay? I was scared. <laughs> um, okay, it also would have expanded the city's expanded site and release program, created a new justice director position. Now, this is something else they were doing in Austin. I don't know if it passed in Austin, in Travis County. Uh, it says embedded bans on chokeholds and no knock warrants in the city charter. Uh, the site and release expansion proved to be the most controversial element with its uh, opponents arguing it would increase crime. And it would have. It would have, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the proposition would have made it largely mandatory for officers to issue citable offenses, whereas they currently have discretion to cite or arrest. So basically, you know, uh, they would just be um, signing up for... <laughs> they would just be signing up for, you know, uh, cite citing people, right? I mean, why are they going to show up, you know? to a catch and to what to do a, a smash and grab you know anyways i mean people got the point guys which i'm glad they did 
I think there was something else behind it, though, ladies and gentlemen. I honestly do. Uh, so uh, we had this Act for SA. Okay, that is the group that even got this ballot measure going, right? Uh, the executive director's name is Ananda Tomas, or Thomas. Um, and she led the coalition of groups that got the initiative onto the ballot and uh, said their grassroots efforts was not enough to win over big money. Oh, so let's see what her perspective was on this. She said that the police union controlled specific purpose political committee protect SA PAC funded by a uh, funded a barrage of negative ads that she called lies and the misinformation that were put out there backed by over $2 million. We know at the end of the day, in the long run, the people will always win over big money interests. You know, and that's interesting because, I mean, if Ananda Ton Tomas, I, I say Ananda Tomas, but it's Thomas, I'm sure. You know, if she had looked at the candidate pool, Right. And looked at all the candidates for the elections because it was a city election. So it was it was election for city council members. It was an election for our mayor. OK, it was an election for um, school board trustees and um, other uh, members of school boards and in, in, in our independent school districts. I mean, it was a city election. It was a huge municipal election. OK, you know, none of my guys won. Go figure. Right. <laughs> Well, I can tell you one thing, Mayor Ron Nuremberg's going to have a nice, peaceful city. Can you imagine if his last and final term, because he said he's not going to run again, right? You know, if his last and final term, he had a city in ruin and in desolation because he, uh, he had to, he, I mean, I can see that's why now, like I said, if, if. Ananda Thomas had seen Ron Nuremberg's point of view on her measure. She would understand why it lost. It was more than just the money. Every single, almost every single candidate was against uh, Proposition A, including the mayor, who is a uh, an alleged Marxist, okay, and uh, and definitely a progressive scum, okay, so. I mean, he's been for defunding the police in the past, ladies and gentlemen. He's been for, you know, police reform and stuff like that. And even Ananda Thomas has brought that to the attention of people on her social medias. We shared that with you guys in the past. So the plot thickens, ladies and gentlemen, right? The plot thickens. Uh, let's see here. It says uh, San Antonio Officer Association President Danny Diaz. Uh, called the voting results impressive and credited the community for informing themselves about the measures and defeating it at the polls. I think, ladies and gentlemen, it's probably something else. Um, let's see here. Uh, this wasn't a party issue. This was a community issue. That is true. Okay, you know what? I'm going to give... I'm, I'm going to keep that frame to myself, okay? And I'm going to give the police credit where credit is due. <laughs> I think it was the cartels, right? I think it was them. I think they're like, no way, Vato. <laughs> there ain't no way you're going to pass this measure and then it's going to be four ounces of weed. We're going to lose four ounces of weed? Okay. Yeah, I mean, that would be a big impact on their market. Hello. Don't you guys think so? I think so. 
And everyone knows cartels control elections, right? San Antonio Safe Pack, a business group that opposed the proposition, released the following statement. Now, this is true because, like I said, smash and grabs, ladies and gentlemen. San, Antonio's made the, San Antonio voters made the right call. A uh, Prop A sought to enshrine in our city chartered the exact sorts of measures that brought disastrous consequences to cities like San Francisco, Portland, and Austin. The defeat of Prop A is a victory for local families, for local businesses, and our quality of life. San Antonio is one of America's unique, great cities, and today our citizens professed with a loud and unequivocally clear voice we want to keep it that way. We came a long way in a very short period of time. Just six weeks ago, a group of dedicated com community members came together in an effort to educate voters about what Prop A really meant for San Antonio, and we accomplished just that. Once San Antonians realized Prop A banned arrests for theft up to $750, graffiti vandalism for up to $2,500, uh, $2, and for certain simple assault and family violence offenses, they united in opposition and ensured that the safety and security of local families and local businesses remains our top priority. You see, I told you guys. Smash and grab city, here we come. Can you imagine? I mean, they would have been, they would have tore it up in San Antonio. Let me tell, <laughs> I know people, okay? They would have been like, let's go shopping. Like, I'm telling you guys, they would have gone shopping. I'm not even lying. Okay. <laughs> I would have had a new job. No, just kidding. I'm playing. <laughs> I am so kidding. The enforceability of the ballot initiative was all. I voted against it just so you guys know. Duh. Ain't no way in hell I'm let them legalize abortions. What the hell are you talking about, ladies and gentlemen? Excuse me. Okay. I'm telling you, every candidate, it made it hard to pick. I was like, I'm going to use Proposition A as a litmus test. I was like, yes. I was like, I was like, we will ensure, ladies and gentlemen, that we can pick a good candidate because the bad ones will vote for Proposition A. And they all voted against it. I was like, dang it. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, guys. Okay, so that's pretty crazy, right? The enforceability of the ballot initiative was also in doubt. San Antonio. See, now that was the other thing, right? That was the other thing. Have a good night, Lee Worth. Have a great evening. Thanks again for being here tonight, Miss Lee Worth. Have a wonderful noche. Um, so as I was saying, ladies and gentlemen, that was another question that was coming up, you know, uh, in this entirety of things. And that was, ladies and gentlemen, about whether or not a city charter could overrule the state's law. And I really think it depends, you know, or maybe not. I don't know. Our state, whether our state allows cities to do that, right, to make laws that defy the state law. I don't think in the Republic of Texas that's allowed, but, you know, I honestly didn't look into that. So, you know, we had this argument where the city of San Antonio's attorney was telling him, look, 
this 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 is unenforceable. It it, it goes against state law. So they, the city of San Antonio, the manager was the managers, the you know attorneys, they were against it. Everyone was against Prop A passing. Okay, everyone was against it. <laughs> Which is weird to me, you know, you would think that they'd be like, oh, but you know, they understood again, I guess, I guess, I guess, you know, when people have better, the best knowledge, right? What is that? What is it that we like to say? If you have good and accurate knowledge, ladies and gentlemen, you will make the best decision. Or the cartels just don't want to lose their edge on the market. <laughs> and you can you imagine what other type of, you know, gangs would show up? So look at we had. 101,515 people vote against it and 40,000 people vote for it. <laughs> 40,000 losers. Okay. So so we had a total of 141,715 people vote in the city like I would guess, ladies and gentlemen, that you know everyone who voted voted yes or no to this and that that is the amount of people so really just a tenth of the city of San Antonio voted in the elections. That's so sad, right? <laughs> a tenth of the people who are able to vote voted in the city of San Antonio. Oh, Lord. You know, it's, it's my, it's, it's my, uh, my belief. And I say it because I don't know it, right? It's my belief, ladies and gentlemen, that, uh, you know, they just, they neglect the people of San Antonio for information about elections. I mean, you can find it, but they don't push it, you know? Uh, you hear about it. I mean, you, you'd think that it'd be something that's, like, in everyone's face, you know, like, all the time. Anyways, I mean, Ron, Ron Nuremberg won again. Okay, you know, whatever. He's gonna this is his last his last term. He's already said that he's not gonna run again after this. So anyways, we're not gonna we're not gonna waste any time looking at that. So alright guys. Let's see what's next for two day. Okay, let me uh, do that real quick. Alright. Oh yeah. So what's next now? The Robert Kennedy assassination. Ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so um did I say the Robert Kennedy Jr. assassination? I meant the John F. Kennedy. I don't know what I said. I wasn't paying attention to myself. Sorry, I went into robot mode for a moment. My bad, y'all. Mm. Thanks again for being here if you're with us tonight at the Sea Report, hanging out over at Pilled, over at Rumble, over at Twitch. Please be sure to give a red pill a repost, a like, and a follow if uh, you'd like to uh, be notified about when I go live or when there's new content available on your platform of choosing. Um, clips come in over more at Rumble. I'll probably throw some up at Odyssey sometime soon. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see how it goes. Okay, so let's talk about this. Robert Kennedy Jr. blames CIA for assassination of JFK. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, um, you know, I hear a lot of different opinions on the 2024 race. You know, I'm, of course, 
of the mind, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sure there are certain members of the audience who would agree, maybe not everybody, but I think some of you all would agree. I, and, and why you wouldn't agree, I don't know why, but, you know, that, that would be that, you know, given any circumstance that would allow President Trump to, you know, openly resume his presidency, you know, before 2024, I think that would be the best option. I think that would absolutely be the best option. That's the option that I would pursue personally, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know about you guys, but you know, barring that that doesn't occur before 2024, right? You know, and, and we're all here waiting and watching and wondering why on earth, you know, it seems like uh, things just keep moving on a certain timeline, right? You know, um, there's a lot of talk about 2024, you know, a lot of talk, you know, um, you know, having Robert Kennedy Jr. come onto the scene, uh, having characters like Ron DeSantis involved in all of this, you know, I mean, of all of the candidates who are running thus far, like, I mean, I don't even really remember who the other ones are, right? We have Vivek Ramaswamy. Oh, look, I'm going to remember it. Nikki Haley, right? And then someone else, right? Who am I missing? I don't know who I'm missing anyways. Uh, it matters not, ladies and gentlemen, who I'm missing. But what I am saying, ladies and gentlemen, is that, hey, Tam Growl, what's going on, Tam Growl? But what I am saying, ladies and gentlemen, is, um, uh, you know, a lot of conversations. So I don't understand the ones that really are like, you know, uh, Trump could turn or Trump could whatever. I'm like, I don't, you know, I still, you know, again, like, unless there's certain topics that these people would talk about, you know, like the entire topic of President Trump or who on earth should be president. I mean, I think it's it's a non-question. That's just me. I don't know. Ah, Tam Growl says Pence, Mike Pence. That is another one. Indeed. Another one indeed. But Pence shouldn't even run. You know, I didn't even mention Kanye West, right? You know why? Because Kanye West is not running for president. Yay is. <laughs> Anyways, I don't even want to talk about that tonight. So we're not even going to go there, okay? Like... <laughs> So anyways, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on board with President Trump, you know, I've always, I've always been since the point that I have been, right? So, I mean, that's just about, you know, where we're going to go with that, you know, as far as that goes. Do I believe that Robert Kennedy should, you know, he would be a good, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I, I like that he's in the limelight, you know, I like that he's in the limelight talking about these things. I like that he is talking about these things, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I like that these things are being discussed. That's the best part. So anyways, uh, I pulled this article from the Epic Times, you know, I've had I've had some things to say about the Epic Times recently, but you know, I you know, my auto my auto my okay, my subscription accidentally auto renewed. So I'm like, well, as long as you know, I'm subscribed, I'm gonna bring you guys some of their premium content. <laughs> As long as I'm paying for it, right, for the month, right? So enjoy some premium Epic Times articles for the next month, ladies and gentlemen. Right? Spared no expense. 
So uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. blames CIA for assassination of JFK, ladies and gentlemen. Now, you know, Leah Wirth earlier was talking about having wins, Tam Growl. You know, earlier, Leah Wirth was talking about having wins. Like, we could use some wins. You know, I mean, like, even though this is an outright win, I mean, I would think that this is a win of sorts, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, to have individuals of prominence, ladies and gentlemen, uh, speaking truth in the face of um, decades-old deceptions, uh, for everyone to hear their opinion, their knowledge, their point of view, and their insights, ladies and gentlemen, I think that is a win, if you look at it a certain way. I don't think, you know, uh, there's too much uh, mental gymnastics that goes into believing that that is possible. Democrat White House contender Robert Kennedy Jr. recently blamed the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, for the assassination of his uncle, President John F. Kennedy, in 1963. Kennedy Jr., the son of assassinated Senator Robert F. Kennedy, made the allegation on Sunday with John Katzmandatis, right? It's Katzmandatis. You know, we've we played some interviews with uh, John Katzmandatis. I think I'm saying his name right. Katzmandatis. Katzim I used to be able to say it, ladies and gentlemen. We played some of his interviews before with President Trump on his show, Cats Roundtable. <laughs> Anyways, so, okay, so apparently... Um, um, uh, apparently we had uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. on um, Mr. Katzmandatis' show. Okay, and um, it says here, theories around JFK's assassination have endured throughout the decades, with many others speculating the CIA, former President Lyndon B. Johnson, the Mafia, the Soviet KGB, Jackie Onassis Kennedy, or the Fidel Castro regime, or some combination thereof, were involved in his death. I don't know, I always heard... Uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson. Lyndon Baines Johnson. I always heard he was one, ladies and gentlemen, that was involved in that. And not only that, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I also thought that, like, Mike Pence was, like, the Lyndon Baines Johnson of the Trump administration. You know, like, if they had been able to pull a Kennedy on President Trump and then Lyndon Baines Johnson, I mean, Mike Pence would have been the president. Oh, lordy. They would have done it again. Oops, they did it again, right? Hmm. Does does uh does uh does Mike Pence have any CIA connections? I wonder, huh? I wonder what other kind of connections Mr. Mike Pence has, right? There is overwhelming evidence that the CIA was involved in his murder. I think it's beyond a reasonable doubt at this point, Kennedy said about the November 1963 incident in Dallas, Texas. The evidence is overwhelming that the CIA was involved in the murder and in the cover-up, he also said. Kennedy made reference to the book JFK and the Unspeakable, penned by James Douglas, for some of his assertions. The book theorized that Kennedy was assassinated because he sought uh, peacemaking during the Cold War and was then killed by his own security apparatus. The federal government concluded during its Warren Commission report that shooter Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone suspect in the assassination. 
They said there was no credible evidence to suggest that uh, he was part of a wider assassination conspiracy. Oswald was shot and killed by alleged Chicago mob associate Jack Ruby two days after Oswald was accused of the assassination. Uh, Ruby would uh, be later convicted of the murder and sentenced to death, but he died in prison several years later. The CIA has long denied any involvement in the former president's death. An article published on the intelligence agency's website says that it was a lie that connected the CIA to the Kennedy assassination, alleging it was part of a Soviet KGB disinformation campaign, and then cast aspersions against director Oliver Stone's 1991 film JFK, which strongly suggested that the CIA and other federal officials may have been involved. <laughs> okay, guys, that's interesting. Okay, look at. So this was published when? 2001? The lie that linked CIA to the Kennedy assassination. Dern, dern, dern. So this is from the papers of the CIA. Okay. <laughs> Look, it's volume number 45. <clears throat> what are we now? We're in the fifth term. No, just kidding. So it says here on June 2nd, uh, June 2, on, oh wait, on 2 June 1961, just weeks after the Bay of Pigs debacle, the Senate Internal Security Subcommittee convened to take testimony from Richard M. Helms, then an assistant deputy director of the Central Intelligence Agency. In those halcyon days of the agency's relationship with Congress, it was rare for a CIA official to give a presentation that senators had every intention of making public. The subcommittee, dominated by some of the fiercest anti-communist members of the Senate, undoubtedly wanted to help repair the agency's tarnished image. The hearing, entitled Communist Forgeries, would surely remind Americans of the threat that communism posed to Western interests and the agency's frontline role in containing that threat. Helms began his testimony by describing an episode that had just faded from the headlines. It proved just how virulent and resilient a lie can be when everything around it seems to fall into place. Although Helms never uh, used the precise term, the scheme he described would eventually become better known by its KGB appellation, Disinformatia, or disinformation. Okay, guys, so basically, we know where the origins of the Russians did it came from. It wasn't Hillary Clinton. It was, in fact, the CIA, and they've been doing it since Hillary was in diapers. <laughs> I mean, basically, I mean, is that not what we're learning here? I mean, is that maybe a nugget we should take away? <laughs> Clearly, it was the CIA who created the origins of Russia, did it? Is, the CIA, don't tell me, for all of those who are well-versed in, uh, in this history type of thing, don't tell me, please don't tell me, Russia, ladies and gentlemen. It's all been Russia and the CIA from the... The CIA is the one who bore the Cold, uh, the cold War, is that what you're trying to tell me? Someone knows out there, I'm sure. Anyways... <laughs> They're like, how could you not know, Mr. C? How could you not know the CIA was behind the Cold War? Anyways, so it says here, I mean, Hillary Clinton might have not been in diapers when this was happening. She might have already been, you know, with her training bra for all I know. 
Hey, Raven 2000, what's going on? Yes, we're talking about good news right now. We're talking about, uh, we're talking about RFK calling out the CIA and their uh, involvement with the assassination of his uncle. And then, yes, yes, we. This is good news, Tam Growl. Everyone's like, not yet. Mister C's not talking about good news yet. <laughs> what does that mean? Is that code for something? Did I miss something while I was gone? Anyways, you know, also we talked about how Proposition A was defeated in San Antonio. That's pretty good news, right? Are you waiting for a Moab, right? I don't got no Moabs for you. <laughs> Who do I look like? Dave from X22 or what? Anyways, so... <laughs> Anyways, okay, so let's go back on. Hey, uh, everyone loves Dave, okay? So look, I made a bigger boom to distract you, okay? So... <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get back on this. This is so interesting. Look at this is this is the origin of the CIA calling Russian disinformation the problem with America. Okay, so this is pretty interesting, huh? For years, Soviet look how many pages? It's only oh well, we're not going to read this whole thing. It's twenty five pages. Okay, <laughs> let's just get through this open. Okay, geez, Louise. Okay, so it says for years. Soviet propagandists had sought to impugn the United States by linking it to France's brutal colonial war in Algeria. The effort was a uh, mediocre success until 22 April 1961, uh, when four Algerian-based generals organized a putsch against President Charles de Gaulle, who uh, was trying to extract France from the seven-year conflict Con coincidentally. One of the plotters, Air Force General Maurice Schall, uh, had served in NATO headquarters and was unusually pro-American for a senior French officer. Oh, so his name was Maurice Chalet. <laughs> um, this fact provided the basis for a fabrication that the plotters enjoyed the CIA support. It says this lie was first printed on the 23rd of April by Rome Daily. Helms testified in English. The headline in uh, Paisera <laughs> read, Was the military coup d'etat in, in Algeria prepared in consultation with Washington? You see? So even back then they knew that uh, secret, uh, secret uh, intelligence agencies, ladies and gentlemen, were working with Washington. It says the very next day, Pravda citing Pais Serra, ran a story alleging CIA support for the revolt, as did TASS and Radio Moscow. Other Soviet bloc and then Western outlets picked up the story, which gathered credibility with every retelling. Eventually, Le Monde, the most respected influential newspaper in France, ran a lead editorial that began, it now seems established that some American agents more or less encourage Chalet. Uh, the vehemence of the U.S. Embassy's denial was primarily taken as an indication of the allegation's truth. Hmm. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, uh, I, it sounds like the CIA is trying to call this a wrap-up smear campaign against the CIA. Uh, it, it, did they learn their tactics in the 1960s from something they suffered, or are they just denying, denying, denying everything? I don't know enough about this to know, but uh, let's see here, guys. So, uh, interesting testimony that, I mean, yeah, we're just about finished, but here we go. We're going to go ahead and jump back over here. I just think this is uh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> 
pill by the rabbit. Yep, you are news now. <laughs> Anyways, here. I'll wait for the DOC. What are you talking about? I didn't feel like reading this this either. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's go over here. Okay. All right. Here. I don't know. I don't know what you mean by that, Miss Tam Growl. Anyhow, so it goes. So it goes like this. Uh, okay, so the CIA is long involved, okay, denied any involvement in the former president's death. They published an article, so somewhere within that PDF, okay, <laughs> it talked about the lie that was connected to the CIA and the Kennedy assassination. Oh, okay, so, that's easy enough. Jeez, why didn't I just do this before? Jeez, what was I thinking? Okay. <laughs> Let's see, as the story spread to this side of the Atlantic, the controversy grew to such a pitch that it threatened to disrupt President Kennedy's state visit to France. Okay, so now they're still talking about France? Okay. Uh, let's see here. It says here, Pais Sarah's successful deception turns out to be a major reason why many Americans believe to this day that the CIA was involved in the assassination of President Kennedy. Two years after the completion of the federal inquiry into President Kennedy's death by the Warren Commission, the local district attorney, Jim Garrison, had opened his own investigation into the November 1963 assassination. Whatever Garrison was up to, he did not seem intent on involving the federal government, so both the Bureau and the CIA simply awaited the next development, believing, like most Americans, that no responsible prosecutor would dare reopen the case unless he truly had something. On uh, 17 February, the New Orleans State's item revealed Garrison's reinvestigation to the world and ignited a media firestorm. The first legal action, however, did not occur until 1 March 1967, when Garrison ostentatiously arrested an urbane local businessman named Clay Shaw and charged him with masterminding a plot that culminated in President Kennedy's death. Both the Bureau and the CIA rushed to their respective files and ran name traces on Shaw, a man who had never been linked to the assassination despite Washington's painstaking investigation. Insofar as the agency was concerned, not only, uh, only one sliver of information was noteworthy. The businessman now charged with the crime of the century had once been a source for the CIA through its domestic contact service. The CIA's concerted effort to gather foreign intelligence from domestic sources had its roots in World War II. So I guess they explain it now. After the conflict, careful analysis revealed that a coordinated effort to collect information known to American citizens might have averted some bitter failures. Thus, when the CIA was formed in 1947, it was handed responsibility for the, covert, for the overt collection of foreign intelligence within the United States and DCS offices were discreetly opened in several major cities. DCS offices, officers sought contact um, with American citizens who traveled abroad and were in a position to acquire significant foreign intelligence as a routine matter. The highest priority naturally was attached to depriving Americans who traveled behind the Iron Curtain or to international conferences where they met Soviet bloc citizens. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Very interesting. Raven2000 asks, do we know if the driver shot him? I don't know, to be honest with you. 
Uh, hey, Pilled, thank you so much for the cookie. Pilled by the rabbit. We just voted down a measure here in San Antonio called Proposition A that would have legalized cannabis up to four ounces, my friend. We just voted it down. Okay, I cannot have a THC-loaded cookie. <laughs> But thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Okay, okay. Just in case the people over at Rumble are like, what the heck is this guy talking about? It's these guys over here, these cats over here, hanging out at pill.net slash thefoxhole.app. Okay, anyways. What's going on, guys? Tam Growl, MK Ultra Outsiders. Who is pulling triggers? Uh, who knows? Maybe that guy was uh, someone that was associated with that. Wasn't that? In isn't that not interesting, ladies and gentlemen? Do you think that's not an interesting little offshoot from the story that we've been telling you guys this evening? I think so. But anyhow, so let's jump back to this Robert F. Kennedy one. Okay, so, uh, so okay, so the CIA is the origin of the big Russia lie. Okay, I mean, obviously it starts with them. All right. Uh, unfounded assertions of CIA complicity were bolstered inadvertently by a series of investigations of the intelligence community in the 1970s. The 1975 Rockefeller Commission report was followed by the 1976 report of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and the 1979 report for the uh, House Select Committee on Assassinations. Um, all examined the CIA's activities both before and after Kennedy's assassination and in the case of the House Select Committee on Assassinations, specifically looked into Shaw's supposed role as a high-ranking operative. It added referring to businessman and military officer Clay Shaw, who was arrested and charged on March 1, 1967, which we just read in the paper itself incidentally, right? He was charged in this radical, uh, in this radical uh, investigation that had been reopened, okay? Anyhow, uh, it says here, the bottom line in each uh, instance gave no credence to any of the local district attorney Jim Garrison's allegations about Shaw and the CIA. So uh, basically they just reprinted what the CIA said a few years ago. I mean, I shouldn't say a few years ago, it was like what, a decade ago? Whatever the year was on this, what was the year on it again? You guys remember what was the year? I can't remember. It was two thousand and one. Ah, yeah, two decades ago. Okay, I'm okay. Yeah, two decades ago, right? So that was uh, the Epic Times running cover for the CIA. No, just kidding. <laughs> Everyone's running cover for the CIA. No, just kidding. Um, Kennedy, an environmental lawyer and writer, declared his candidacy. Yeah, so he's running, running for president. And it just has some other allegations here. Let's let's see what uh, let's see what Kennedy had to say about other things, though. So it says Kennedy Jr.'s claims on Sunday are not the first time he's floated the notion that the CIA killed his uncle. He also claimed in the past that his father was not killed by Sir Han Sir Han, a Palestinian man who supported communism. Uh, Kennedy Jr. wrote for the San Francisco Chronicle in 2021. I also hope that the governor will consider the overwhelming evidence that Sir Han is not my father's killer. He wrote, For many years I accepted the orthodoxy that Sir Han was responsible. After all, dozens of eyewitnesses in the Ambassador Hotel pantry saw him fire his gun from just a few feet in front of my father, but 
In 2016, my father's close friend, Paul Schrade, persuaded me to read Los Angeles County Coroner Thomas Noguchi's autopsy report and to listen to audio recordings and review other evidence indicating that Sir Han could not have been the murderer. Kennedy went on to say that Sir Han fired two shots at Kennedy, an upstart senator from New York who was running as a Democrat in 1968, and one of the bullets, he said, struck Schrade in the head. The other bullet hit a door jam. He then fired more shots, hitting several other bystanders, Kennedy alleged. Uh, Kennedy Jr. alleged, however, none of those bullets struck his father, Kennedy Jr. said, floating the theory that the four shots that hit his father were from within a few inches, with two leaving gunpowder residue in the wound, suggesting that the assassin was standing close behind my father, is what he said, shielding his weapon with his body while all attention focused on Sir Han. Yep, so who... Who was pulling the triggers, is what Tam Grell asked. Who was pulling the triggers? Who was pulling the triggers? In both cases, we may never know. Although, di didn't I hear a story that, like, George Herbert Walker Bush, you know, uh, um, Daddy, Daddy, uh, Daddy Bush there, you know, uh, Pedo, Pedo Daddy Bush, right? I guess he's Grandpa Bush, he's, he's Grandpa Pedo Bush, right? Because great-grandpa's the Nazi, you know. So uh, George Herbert Walker Bush was the pedo-grandpa Bush, right? So uh, I heard, didn't someone say that he, like, said he was responsible for the, you know, assassination? Or maybe maybe he was responsible for, like, you know, uh, quarterbacking it or something. Maybe he, maybe he wrote the game plan or something like that, you know. And uh, everyone just saw that it was executed somehow. I mean, I'm sure everyone played a role somehow. You know, the 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 all-seeing, all-knowing, all-encompassing, omniscient, and and quite often malignant in our uh, minds. They, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Naguchi says Tam Growl. Now, there's a name I have not heard in a while. Was that guy, like, the celebrity, like, coroner or, like, the coroner to, like, you know, powerful people? You I mean, they have very few of them, right? Anyways, very few of them. So, uh, let's see here. So, uh, he says here... He also alleged that the Los Angeles police investigators bullied and badgered eyewitnesses to change their statement regarding the number of shots and to silence those who say they saw Caesar draw and shoot his gun and those who reported conspirators uh, dashing from the scene. A Thane Eugene Caesar, he said, was the individual who killed his father before the Sirhan shooting. Caesar recently hired security guard... Um, and grabbed Kennedy by the elbow and steered him towards Sirhan, he said. Um, bedeviled by questions about his involvement in my father's murder. Caesar fled to the Philippines. I was in negotiations with him in 2018 before reports of his death in September 2019. After first agreeing to meet with me, he gradually escalated his price to $25,000 for the privilege of interviewing him, Kennedy said. Wow. So, yes, Tam Grau says, ladies and gentlemen, indeed, 
uh, Thomas Naguchi, as well as uh, was it what was that one? Bowden. They are the big um, corners to the stars and powerful people. You know, I'm pretty sure I've seen a documentary or on one or both of those individuals. Poppy Bush was involved with a lot, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I mean, uh, as we were just reading in Vote Scam, like in the 1988 uh, New Hampshire primaries, GOP primaries, you know, um, we had Governor Sununu, you know, allegedly handing over the uh, win to Herbert Walker Bush by using computer programs back in the 80s. To rig the vote, ladies and gentlemen, it's crazy stuff. All right, like when you start to read about it, crazy stuff. I gotta say, okay, so all right, guys. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what you guys think about all that, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what you guys think about all that. Um, I mean, this, the you know, we've known and you know, they've released footage, I mean, they've released more documents, of course, on. Um, you know, Kennedy's assassination and, and the involvement of the CIA has also been something that uh, has come to light in recent documents. Okay, guys, let's move forward. Next story for tonight. Um, oh. Oh, I didn't even realize I had this one here. Okay, so... Uh, Okay, let's do this next. Speaking of, you know, intelligence, okay? Speaking of intelligence assets, you know, uh, I pulled this story because uh, I thought it was a pretty good one. Uh, this one is from the pages of the Gateway Pundit, okay? Um, and uh, they, I mean, they actually had, I, I think, a pretty sharp point of view on this. And I think um, asked a question that is worth uh, entertaining, at least in keeping... Uh, front of mind, and that had to do with um, those who signed the intelligence officers, right? The 51 of them, ladies and gentlemen, that signed over the laptop um, as Russian disinformation. Again, did we not just talk about, like, apparently in the 1960s, we had the CIA talking about everything being Russian disinformation. Okay, so um, the, apparently that theory was born there, ladies and gentlemen, right in the heart of mother russia no just kidding it was born in the heart of the cia ladies and gentlemen okay so interesting that guys i gotta say interesting that now we have this question coming from the gateway pundit who are the nine secret intel officials who signed on to the hunter biden laptop disinfo letter who cannot be named publicly and now we need to get this named, ladies and gentlemen. I think that um, I think that's something that's very agreeable. Uh, you know, because it's already come out that all of it was a shim-sham flim-flam. We have the involvement with Antony Blinken. And, you know, apparently Antony Blinken was a lot closer with Hunter Biden and his family, ladies and gentlemen, uh, than we might have realized. Okay, uh, as emails have found, as, uh, as uh, information has begun to come forward, about Anthony Blinken's involvement with the suppression of the uh, Hunter Biden laptop from the news media, indeed uh, providing um, a talking point, 
a point of refutation for their crime boss master. If you believe that, uh, you know, someone like Joe Biden could actually be the head of a crime syndicate, I mean, stranger things have happened, right? Stranger things have happened, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it says here, during the second presidential debate in 2020, Joe Biden and hack reporter Kristen, uh, Kristen Welker teamed up against President Trump. At one point, Joe Biden interpreted Welker for his planned response. Oh, sorry, excuse me, interrupted Welker for his planned response to the Hunter Biden laptop from hell scandal. Joe Biden told the audience 50 intelligence leaders signed a letter saying the laptop was Russian propaganda. And they actually provide a list here uh, of these people. Let's see. I'm going to pull it up so we can take a look at them. Okay, who do we have here? I mean, you know, we've read, we've seen, we know who they are, generally speaking, but you know, it's just, it's always like fun to see. So these are the intelligence, uh, intelligence agency officers, right, who uh, signed onto this letter. Who's George Herbert Walker Bush, deceased, right? Okay. Uh, Michael Morell. Yeah. He's involved in this, right? John Brennan, we know he's been subpoenaed. Uh, Leon Panetta, Michael Hayden. I've heard some pretty terrible things about, you know, his life these days. Um, and we've got Jim Clapper, of course. Michael Shirtoff. You know, Nick Rasmussen. Interesting. Interesting name, Rasmussen. Okay. I, I mean, these are all people from, you know, all areas of the intelligence networks, ladies and gentlemen. So I don't know, I'm just showing you their faces. Okay, I mean, we could be Peter, uh, Peter Corsell, Paul Colby, David Carrions, Janice Carrions, uh, Patty, a lot of people I've never heard of. James Bruce, Nada Bacchus, uh, David Buckley, Glenn Gerstle. Okay, so a whole bunch of people, ladies and gentlemen, all of these. Oh, so, and then now we have nine others, right? Is Greg Tarbell a woman? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to make sure I see this right. Okay, not an image of the actual what? Not an image of the actual hoe. Is that what it says? <laughs> what is that? Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, guys. Okay. Is that okay? What is his name, Greg? What I already forgot. Hold on. <laughs> what the? What was that? Okay, Greg Tarbell. I need to see. Okay, deputy director, deputy executive director, CIA analyst of the Soviet Union. Not the image of the actual. <laughs> Do they not have an image of the actual hoe or what? Like, that's what I want to know. Okay, so I guess not. Like, oh, I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. I don't see the actual hoe here. Okay, so. Oh, here's Harold Tarbell. But it's not Greg Tarbell. Okay, so. <laughs> that is funny. 
which is Greg Tarbell, former CIA <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. That's funny. Okay, for those of you just tuning in don't know what I'm laughing at, I'm laughing at Greg Tarbell. Hold on, where'd the picture go? Look at that, Greg Tarbell. Look at that. Okay, I don't know. I wasn't expecting to see this, guys. Leave me alone. <laughs> Look at here's another one. Okay. <laughs> and David Vanell, Senior Operations Officer, CIA. Okay, so anyways. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, thank you for the cookie. Hey, 123SKG, how's it going? We got another member of the C team here. Welcome on in, you and Kiss hanging out tonight. Thank you for the cookie so much, and uh, thank you for the can, Tem Growl. Thank you so much. Uh, look at, not an, uh, another one, not the image of an actual. <laughs> Do they know they did this? Anyways, okay. So, <laughs> look at, here's another one. How did he, <laughs> who did this? Okay, all right, okay, enough about that, guys. Raven2000 says, darn, I wanted to see a hoe. Oh, goodness me, oh my, here. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not one of those pictures. Anyways, okay, my bad. Sorry. Sorry, nada. <laughs> Sorry, nada. <coughs> nada. Oh, that's something bubbly. Um, okay, so uh, the intel leaders all lied. Okay, so we all now know this is a lie. Okay, that's the main thing here. They knew it was a lie. Joe Biden knew it was a lie. The media knew it was all a lie. And now we know that the Biden campaign and current Secretary of State Blinken, you see, they organized this massive lie. Okay, so... Uh, they have the, we have the full sign letter. I'll show you guys that in a second. Uh, but here's here's the thing is, like it says right here, there was nine other Intel officers that signed the letter, but they were too cowardly to go public. So we got that letter here. I don't know. Have you guys ever have you guys ever read this letter? Uh, do you guys know about it? Public statement on the Hunter Biden emails. So this is this is the actual letter that they sent. You know. I think we've read it here on the show before. We don't have to read it again. Uh, but, you know, then you have all the signatures here. I mean, they really signed their own warrant here. You know, you know, let's read it again. Let's just go ahead and do it. You know why? Because, like, I mean, this is their, this is their own, like, you know, warrant. Like, this is, like, they knew it was fake. They knew it was a lie. They all knew it was fake. They knew it was a total fraud. So, so why don't we once again remind America about how much conviction these guys had in their own lie, right? Why not, right? Hold on, I'm a little parched. Again, thank you for the can, Miss Tam Grell. Okay, October 1920, 20. The 51, the, it was really, so it was what, really 60 altogether, right? So we had 51 plus 9. We are all individuals who devoted significant... Here, let's, let's expand this a little bit more. Ready? Ah, that's too big. Uh, we are all individuals who devoted significant portions of our lives to national security. National security, ladies and gentlemen, is what they always use, isn't it? Some of us served in senior positions in policy departments and agencies, and some of us served in senior positions in intelligence community. Some of us were political appointees, and some were career officials. Many of us worked for presidents of both political parties. 
We are also individuals who see Russia as one of our nation's primary adversaries. All of us have an understanding of the wide range of um, Russian overt and covert activities that undermine U.S. national security, with some of us knowing Russian behavior intimately as we worked to defend our nation against it for a career. A few of us worked against Russian information operations in the United States in the last several years. Perhaps most important, each of us believe deeply that American citizens should determine the outcome of elections, not foreign governments. All of us agree with the Founding Fathers' concern about the damage that foreign interference in our politics can do to our democracy. You know, it's so ass-backwards, too, as we're starting to learn exactly how institutionalized the fraud in our elections is, ladies and gentlemen. It is very institutionalized. It's very part of their standard operating procedures to totally lie to the American people, ladies and gentlemen, and to uh, select their leaders for them, whom really aren't leaders, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, they're only leaders in so much as the people believe that they're leaders until the jig is up and the people start to see right through the veil uh, that once blinded them to the truth about the way things seem to be working in this nation. You know, so it's it's funny, you know, because these people have no allegiance to this nation. You know, when they say democracy, what do they mean? I think maybe they mean that they're gang, right? It's 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 a uh it's um a damage to their gang because what is democracy? It's rule by gang, right? It's rule by it's rule by a majority. You know, so it's, 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 they're talking about their gang, right? It's, it's a danger to their mob majority, ladies and gentlemen, when they want to talk about the outcome of elections, you know, the article, go, I mean, the letter goes on to say it is for all these reasons that we write to say that the arrival on the U.S. political scene of emails purportedly belonging to Vice President Biden's son, Hunter, much of it related to his time serving on the board of the Ukrainian gas company Burisma as all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. We want to emphasize that we do not know if the emails provided to the New York Post by President Trump's personal attorney Rudy Giuliani are genuine or not, and that uh, we do not have evidence of Russian involvement, just that our experience makes us deeply suspicious that the Russian government played a significant role in this case, and as we just learned in the 1960s, they blamed Russian misinformation for blaming the CIA on the death of uh, JFK. So they've been playing the Russian song for a long time. Yeah, these guys really like Russia. So as you guys can see here, they're not necessarily talking about the laptop from hell at this point. They're talking about emails. I guess it says that they belong to Hunter's, uh, Hunter's. I mean, to Hunter Biden, to uh, a President Select, or back then it was Vice President Biden, Vice President Select Biden's son, Hunter. Um, you know, but uh, the Burisma thing was, I think, I mean, it's it, that that was kind of standalone with Rudy Giuliani as a case on itself without all the other content of the uh, laptop from hell, ladies and gentlemen, 
uh, being public, at least not at that time. Maybe to people like Giuliani and the FBI, who'd uh, seen who've seen uh, the content of that laptop, ladies and gentlemen. If we are right, the letter continues, this is Russia trying to influence how Americans vote in this election. You see, and they're the ones that made it about elections. So when it comes back to bite them in the ass, you know, one has to wonder why do they uh, turn, tell, and run, right? They're the ones who made this about election interference, and then they're the ones who created the entire, uh, the entire charade. I mean, why even use such a weak word like charade? The entire fraudulent crime is exactly what it is. It's basically treason. It says, and we believe strongly that Americans need to be aware of this. It is treason, ladies and gentlemen. This is a story of treason. You know, the nine people who did not publicly sign their name, the ones who are too afraid to sign their John Hancock, because they knew this was treason, ladies and gentlemen. They knew this was treason, okay? That's why they didn't sign their names publicly. They knew this was treason. The letter continues in its treasonous fashion. There are a number of factors that make us suspicious of Russian involvement. Such an operation would be consistent with Russian objectives as outlined publicly and recently by the intelligence community to create political chaos in the United States and to deepen political divisions here, but also to undermine the candidacy of former Pre Vice President Biden and thereby help the candidacy of President Trump. For the Russians at this point, with Trump down in the polls, there is incentive for Moscow to pull out the stops to do anything possible to help Trump win and or to weaken Biden should he win. A laptop op fits the bill. A laptop op. Is that what they called it, ladies and gentlemen? They called it a laptop op. It fits the bill as the publication of the emails are clearly... To dis uh, designed to discredit Biden. Such an operation would be consistent with some of the key methods Russia has used in its now multi-year operation to interfere in our gang. I mean, our democracy. The hacking via cyber operations and the dumping of accurate information or the distribution of inaccurate or misinformation. Russia did both of these during the 2016 presidential election, a judgment shared by the U.S. intelligence community, the investigation into Russian activities by special counsel Robert Mueller, and the entirety, all Republicans and Democrats, on the current Senate Intelligence Committee. Such an operation is also consistent with several data points. The Russians, according to media reports and cybersecurity experts, targeted Burisma late last year for cyber collection and gained access to its emails. And Ukrainian politicians and businessman uh, Audrey Durkach, identified and sanctioned by the U.S. Uh, Treasury Department for being a 10-year Russian agent interfering in the 2020 election, passed reported materials on Burisma and Hunter Biden to Giuliani. Our view that the Russians are involved in the Hunter Biden email issue is consistent with two other significant data points as well. According to the Washington Compost, citing four sources, 
U.S. intelligence agencies warned the White House last year that Giuliani was the target of an influence operation by in Russian intelligence. In addition, media reports say that the FBI has now opened an investigation into Russian involvement in this case. According to USA Today, federal authorities are investigating whether the material supplied to New York Post by Rudy Giuliani is part of a smoke bomb of disinformation pushed by Russia. Okay, goodness. So, you guys see the tactic, right? Of course. I mean, it's a tactic. has It has been analyzed and discussed and it has been analyzed and talked about probably at length, you know, but, you know, we'll, 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 we'll focus on the fine points again, right? You know, you get how in this letter by the intelligence agencies, the government, right? Then uh, they fall back on their friends, right? The media, okay? You know, citing the Washington Compost, right? Citing the Washington Compost, citing USA Today, right? You know, citing their friends in the media, okay? Uh, you mean, and then what else is it that they're doing? You know, the FBI, the CIA, okay? All of this collusion, ladies and gentlemen. The wrap-up smear campaigns, the, uh, the exploitation, the using, the exploitation of the people... Uh, by using the press, uh, showing the face of the Mockingbird media, right? They're not just the lamestream mainstream, ladies and gentlemen. They're not just the lamestream mainstream. You know, they are the Mockingbird press. They are the legacy press. They are the media, okay? Uh, just like, you know, uh, we're seeing in the, vote, uh, the book Vote Scam, guys, you know? We're seeing uh, the collusion between media entities and government entities, I mean, there's a whole lot more going on in that book, but like I said, guys. So, you know, you have... Okay, so they use they use their media friends to kind of like give themselves some kind of, I guess, you know, uh, credibility. Other than the fact that they believe it's Russia. Then they put here... This is ridiculous. We do not know whether these press reports are accurate. You know, oh, and let's not forget, guys, that, you know, they had the FBI, you know, uh, you know, um, going back and forth with the media on this. Like, everyone was kind of circle jerking about this story. I mean, that's what we found out, guys, like, as, as everything unfolded, you know, everyone knew it was fake, you know, before what, like, January of 2021. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, and then this came out, right? So anyways, it says here, uh, we do not know if these uh, press reports are accurate, but they do suggest concern with the executive branch departments and agencies that mirrors ours. It's high time that Russia stops interfering in our democracy. Okay, so then you have all the people who sign, okay, all the peeps, all the 51 of them, right? And then at the very end, dur -dur 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 -dur, at the very end, it says this, what? In addition, nine cowards who are former IC officers who cannot be named publicly also support the arguments in this letter. For what it's worth, nine cowards, ladies and gentlemen, also support this letter. So, you know, I think uh, the Gateway Pundit was pretty much right on, you know, asking the question. That's why we shared the article. You know, what on earth 
like these people i mean now that all of this has been found out to be you know a fraud okay and treason in my opinion okay i mean this this was against a duly elected president it was against a sitting president let's not forget he they spied on his campaign that's linked to obama i mean come on ladies and gentlemen i don't think that we have to you know push the imagination any further than that you know but speaking of you know president select joe biden you know oh another another biden story what is going on here tonight right Lee? oh man we're already at two hours okay cool all right so oh i guess we're gonna do we will do the santo story next okay and then we'll call it a wrap for tonight after this story and uh yeah it's been a fun time thanks for hanging out this evening if you're joining us you are live with us over at the foxhole app pill.net rumble make sure you hit the follow button make sure you hit the like red pill and post repost button sorry guys it's a getting late here in texas it's only 11:30 here though in texas basically so not too bad thanks again for joining us also you know if you're hanging out with us live uh i mean sorry if you're hanging out with a replay um thank you again okay guys and then all you rumble folks uh also been clipping out segments of the show more digestible chunks i appreciate those who hang out throughout the duration of the show but you know some people can't digest three hour chunks of showtime right and that's uh totally understandable all right guys joe biden's bribery allocation. so here's another one about uh, another scandal with joe biden you know where 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 barack obama allegedly had no scandals ladies and gentlemen joe biden just seems to be full of them okay he seems to be full of scandal he's a scandal ridden so this one's interesting though um because it has again to do with the whistleblower um and uh it also has to do with you know spying on the whistleblower you know and and uh i think the two-tiered justice system really kind of has a feature you know here uh kind of stands out in this story when we're talking about you know uh the ability for you know the justice department and, and any other agencies who are politically aligned with regimes like the biden junta uh, have the ability to basically uh infiltrate and violate the rights of American citizens, let alone those who are actually whistleblowing against the federal government. And they get away with it, you know? I mean, it's like, uh, it's. I guess it wouldn't be considered as bad as spying on, oh, say, I don't know, your political, uh, your political opponent. Uh, but nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, something that many people, I say many people, it's just something that, it's, it's, it's an, aspect of the story i think that you know is a little bit overlooked joe biden bribery allegations were brought to a doj in 2018 the department of justice two years before similar claims by whistleblower okay so you know you had a whistleblower bringing these same claims okay two years before and they did nothing right i mean that's the premise of the story this is from the new york post Okay, so um, explosive bribery allegations involving Joe Biden and foreign nationals were brought to the Department of Justice as early as 2018. 
two years before similar allegations against the president were made by the whistleblower now talking to the White House, I mean, sorry, to the House Committee Oversight Committee. Uh, Bud Cummins, a former former federal prosecutor, first reported the bribery allegations to then New York U.S. Attorney Jeff Berman on October 4, 2018, in an email claiming he had evidence that Joe Biden had exercised influence to protect his son's Ukrainian employer in exchange for payments to Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, and Joe Biden. In the email obtained by Just the News, Cummins said that Ukraine's then-Prosecutor General Yuri Luchenko wanted to travel to the United States to meet Berman and could produce two John Doe witnesses to corroborate his claims about the Bidens. But Berman never responded to the email. Instead, in a move Cummins says seemed like retaliation on December 9, 2019, in the middle of impeachment proceedings against President Donald Trump, federal prosecutors secretly obtained data from Cummins' iPhone with a grand jury subpoena to Apple. Okay, so here's the part where it talks about, okay, so here's the part where it talks about um, the uh, spying, right? So I guess what they did was they used a grand jury subpoena in order to get into that. So, you know, I say that, you know, as spying could be abuse, ladies and gentlemen. They say it was retaliation here, okay? It happened in the middle of President Trump's impeachment proceedings that this was going on. And then uh, the gentleman found out, I think, three years later that, they, uh, that his um, iPhone had been granted access to by the federal government. All right, and this was in the middle of this uh, Burisma debacle, okay? Um, you know, the same debacle that was mentioned by that letter that was signed by those 60, uh, well, by those 51 and 9, you know, former intelligence officers, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so there's uh, Sleepy Joe, There's uh, that's Bud Cummins, all right? Uh, he reported the bribery allegations to then New York U.S. Attorney Jeff Berman on October 4, 2018. Um, so let's see here. Uh, Cummins, formerly Arkansas's chief federal prosecutor under George W. Bush, said, I can't really imagine a legitimate reason for the Department of Justice not to follow up on an offer like that. I felt like it was stonewalled. It doesn't make much sense to investigate the guy who brings you the allegation rather than the allegation. Okay, but that's what they do time and time again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I mean, it, there's always mul there's been multiple cases of the government going after the whistleblower instead of actually going after you know that which should be that which is being the blow the whistle is being blowed on you know blown on not blowed on that which the whistle is being blown on it's it's insane guys so you know like the best you know the best memory that i could think about it's not even like the best memory but like you know something that comes to mind i think about like um we had that case in georgia right wherein we had uh, a whistleblower come forth you know uh, this was with the whistleblower, where they had a whistleblower who was talking about um, payment, ladies and gentlemen, uh, having received payment for trafficking ballots. And, you know, the first thing that the Secretary of State wanted and the, and the district attorneys wanted in Georgia was the name of the whistleblowers, 
and the name and the address of the mother, of the family, of the whistleblower. I mean, they wanted everything. They wanted to investigate the whistleblower rather than the allegations. So, you know, something that came to mind whenever I hear a story like this. Okay, so and it says, uh, when he received a notice from Apple last October telling him that his data had been accessed three years earlier, he said he found it perverse that you report an allegation of a pretty serious crime and they don't investigate it, but they were investigating you instead. Yeah, I mean, that's your two-tier justice system right there, guys. Uh, Cummins' report was just one of a number of red flags raised with the DOJ between 2016 and 2020 about the Biden family influence peddling scheme. The FBI has had Hunter's abandoned laptop in its possession since December 2019, and Hunter's former business partner, Tony Boblinski, handed over the contents of his three devices and provided evidence on then-candidate Biden's involvement in his son's overseas business deals during a five-hour interview with the FBI days before the election. And there you are, guys. All right. So, you know, so again, uh, it shows you, I mean, there's a lot of things I think that, you know, it, this story kind of like, you know, spotlights. Yeah. Aside from the two-tier justice system, ladies and gentlemen, uh, aside from the fact that, you know, they are uh, abusing the justice system in order to spy on individuals that they see as political enemies or those who bring certain truths to light, you know, you know, it, it highlights, it spotlights also, you know, like the coordination again of this second tier of justice, if you want to call it, the criminal justice, actually, not the justice department side, the criminal justice side, the side that has justice that's criminal. I mean, yes, it is a contradiction in terms, but that's what they call it, right? They call it the Criminal Justice Department, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but, you know, again, so it highlights again also um, the the vast scope of really what the Biden uh, crime family syndicate seems to be all about. You know, I mean, it's like, I, I mean, I guess there is no better shining an example, ladies and gentlemen, of, uh, of, of you know, um, political corruption in, you know, uh, the public system. And I guess that's what we're looking at where this is concerned. Okay. So very interesting that I think ladies and gentlemen, Oh Lord. Okay, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. I am going to, uh, let's see here. Yeah, we're going, I'm going to, I'm going to take a quick break, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to leave you guys with something good. Don't worry. Okay. For those of you who need a little bit of music to spruce up your evening, you've been watching the sea report here. Let me do this. Let's jump back over here. Let's jump back over here. Just a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll jump back over here. There we go. Whoops. Wrong one. Wrong one. There we go. That's better. That's supposed to be that way. Okay, cool. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to take a quick... We have one more story to cover, ladies and gentlemen, as we uh, enter into the second hour of tonight's 
live streaming podcast. Okay. One more story to cover, but this one's kind of a, for me, it was like kind of a brain twister, right? Like, it was kind of like, what's going on here? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so before we jump into it, because I'm going to need you guys to help me figure this one out. Okay, <laughs> it involves this like kooky character that I was like kind of talking about at the tail end of, um, the midterm elections, right, as we start to get into all of the uh, botched elections of 2022 and focusing on Maricopa County and stuff like that. Anyways, okay, so um, as I was saying, guys, the reason before we get into this final story for tonight, um, because there's no telling. I mean, it's so perplexing, guys. It goes... So, no, I mean, maybe it's not so perplexing. Maybe you guys can figure it out. I don't know. Uh, but hold on to your horses, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back.
Thank you. Thank you very much. And we will make America great again. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back. Okay, guys, alright, we're ready to jump into the final segment of the show for tonight. Thanks for hanging out again. You know, if you guys can make it at least up through that Bill Clinton saxophone, you're just about... You've just about made it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for being here again tonight. It's the C-Report. I'm your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Gossidis, but that's neither here nor there. Hey, 123SKG, thank you so much for gifting the cookie over there at the Foxhole. Much appreciated, and uh, thanks again for being a member of the C-Team. Always love, love to members of the C-Team, ladies and gentlemen, if you're hanging out. Thank you so much for being here. You know, uh, since we, uh, since I did the, uh, the good old We Love Trump song, Oh, it just made me think like, hey, you know, it's been a minute since I've dropped into his truth social. You know, I actually don't know a whole, you know, let's just see what's going on here, right? We'll take a minute in this final segment of the show, ladies and gentlemen, to see what's been on President Trump's mind. You know, we used to open up every show Trump led here at the Sea Report, you know, uh, come to think about it. Oh, this book sounds, uh, you know, I thought about getting this in there. I thought about getting this book, right? Letters to Trump. I think that'd be an interesting read. It's okay. I don't mind advertising his book here. I'm not getting anything for it, but it's all good. 45books.com. Go get your book today. Well, he's got letters from Oprah in there. I mean, they don't... Uh, 
from President Nixon to King Charles, right? Because you don't want to say President Trump got a letter from Oprah and publish it on a place like Truth Social, right? Anyways. So, okay, so that's the last look. We'll give it a like. Uh, okay, we'll give it a, hey, why not? We'll give it a retruth. Okay. So, uh, John Rowland, a great and preeminent newscaster in New York City for many years, passed away this morning. With John, there was no fake news. He was a uh, professional and a very high-quality individual with many friends and very few enemies. My warmest condolences to his family. John will be greatly missed. His next statement is as such. I am heading to Des Moines this Saturday to rally with the great people of Iowa. Unlike Joe Biden, I protected Iowa's first in the nation caucuses and always will. Every promise I made to the people of Iowa, I fulfilled as your president. And uh, even beyond my promises, I forgot f I got farmers, excuse me, I got farmers $28 billion from China, money that was unthinkable by anyone else. I also saved ethanol and did more for Iowa than anyone else in history. And will again. So, uh, okay, so we know Wednesday, if you guys have been following the little ticker taper down at the bottom of the screen, uh, I guess you guys know that uh, President Trump will be participating in a uh, CNN town hall. Something else is going on on Wednesday. What else is going on on Wednesday that I think is important? Anyway, something else. Something else was happening on Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. I just don't remember what it was. Um, oh, tick, speaking of ticker taper, there you go. Uh, President Trump to participate in CIA and Town Hall Wednesday, May 10th, 2023 at St. Anselm College in New Hampshire. New Hampshire seems to be coming up a lot as well, ladies and gentlemen, these days. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to the trends, you know, but uh, things like uh, New Hampshire, uh, you know, the Bushes, the Obamas. All of them seem to be kind of trending lately. Uh, let's see. So, yes, he will be uh, doing a Make make Agrar America Great Again rally in Des Moines, Iowa. So, huh. So, this is Saturday. Hmm. Let's see Saturday. What's going on Saturday? We'll figure it out. Uh, Crooked Joe Biden has, uh, not, has still not visited the incredible patriots of East Palestine. Wow, you know, who else is still talking about East Palestine, ladies and gentlemen? Who else is still talking about East Palestine? Not many people. Especially not Joe Biden. He has not visited the incredible patriots of East Palestine, and Mayor Pete could not get out there fast enough. But that's okay. Our movement will be their voice, and we will never forget them. J.D. Vance has been working hard in the Senate to make sure nothing like this will ever happen again. Or we can read it as, we can read it as written. It's, uh, it's written this way. J.D. Vance has been working hard in the Senate to make sure nothing like this ever happens again. And that's why it's so important for Congress to pass his Railway Safety Act. Act. J.D.'s terrific bill has my complete and total endorsement. Let's see, he retruthed interactive polls. Three-point lead, seven-point lead. 
President Trump's lead over Biden continues to grow 54%. Who do you think did a better job handling the economy? President Trump, 54%. Joe Biden, 36%. 3% did not care. All right, a bunch of retruths. Okay, so I guess that's about it. I guess that's about top of mind for President Trump today. Here, we'll, we'll, do, one, we'll do one more. So funny to watch Sleepy Eyes Chuck Todd on Meet the Fake Press interview, that very unpopular former governor of Arkansas. He couldn't get elected dog catcher there now. Uh, Ada Hutchinson. Wow. So funny to watch. Wow, Ada Hutchinson. Ha ha ha. It's about, I'm glad he's calling him out, actually. I'm glad he's calling out Ada Hutchinson. He's woke. A rhino, got nothing to say, no policies to speak of, and charisma that makes Chuck Todd look dynamic. Damn! In addition to all of that, he's polling at less than 1%, just slightly ahead of Sloppy Chris Christie. <laughs> I think Sloppy fits Chris Christie. I could see Chris Christie with, like, a really dirty bib at a buffet line, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, it says here, uh... He's slightly ahead of sloppy Chris Christie and has zero chance of getting the nomination. Other than that, I like Ada very much. Oh my god, what a zinger. Okay, wow. Only on True Social will you get President Trump's mean tweets, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, let's see here. Melania, congratulations on doing a truly great job. Today, on the fifth anniversary of my Be Best initiative, we are reminded of the incredible impact that can be achieved when we come together to support our next generation. The fact that two individuals from the foster care community have received university-level scholarship brings me great joy. Many thanks to my team and the community for ongoing support. Be best. Yes, hashtag be best. That's awesome. There is Melania. Okay, what is not to love about that? Yes, you can call me a Trump zombie all you want. Show me the goods. <laughs> Show me the goods. Okay, anyways. All right, so we'll leave it there, guys, as far as that goes. Let's move on to the next and final story for tonight. Okay. Let's move on to the next and final story for this evening. Uh, yeah, I know, right? George Santos. Okay, so this okay, so this story was just weird to me. And I hesitated even to share it, right? Because Lord knows I don't really care to give someone like George Santos. Too much airtime, right? For those of you who may or may not remember who George Santos is and or was. Uh, he's the guy that lied, right? Like, I think he was like, wasn't he? Okay, so he lied about everything, right? He ran, he won his election in New York State, right? As a state Republican representative. And then it came out that everything about him was a lie. Like, he lied about his job, he lied about his college education, he lied about his experience, I think he might have lied about his sexuality as well. Like, there's so many things that come in. I don't, you know, I really just did not 
follow the story anymore after a while because I was just like, this guy's just like, to me, he was just a, to me, he was just an intended target or, or maybe he was just an actor. Maybe he was just a poseur, ladies and gentlemen. He was a poser. He was a charlatan, ladies and gentlemen. He was, uh, you know, he was a poetaster. <laughs> so, I just didn't pay attention to him too much. And then he pops up in the pages of um, the Gateway Pundit. So, I, I've pulled this. This is another Gateway Pundit article. And it's just weird to me. You know, it's just weird to me. And, and the reason why it even really came to mind is because... One of the characters involved in the Pras Michel election, um, election fraud and uh, money uh, laundering scandal with the 2012 Obama campaign. Uh, one of the characters from that story is in this story with George Santos. So I was like, what are the odds, ladies and gentlemen, that one of the people involved in this money laundering thing with, you know, uh, um, an international, uh, an international uh, criminal who's on the run, right? Uh, um, millions of dollars of, um, basically it would have been, you know, campaign finance fraud if michelle were running but i mean he wasn't the one running he he just basically funneled all of this money into obama's campaign using like surrogate voters you know he created a network of people to funnel and all this money came from like i guess whom they've called the great gatsby of malaysia right who's currently on the lam you know so uh, but but one of the characters in that story and we went over it in the previous episode, but you know, you might get a redux tonight, ladies and gentlemen, especially considering this article, okay? And I just don't understand it, okay? I don't understand it. So maybe some of my, maybe some of the audience members out there have more insight than I do on it. I'm not sure. I guess you guys can tell me if you're out there. So it says here, uh, George Santos affirms commitment to justice for Guo Wangu or Miles Guo at NFC headquarters. Okay, so this, I'm like, where, what does George Santos care about a Chinese dissident, right? Uh, uh, this man is, a he was a Chinese national who left the country uh, like a millionaire or a billionaire, and uh, he speaks out against the government, okay? So, I mean, and then, so this guy who's here as a liar, so I guess this means he's still in office, even though he lied about everything. I don't know how there was not a referendum held against him or, like, how they did not, like, do a recall on him. Like, I don't understand how that happened, you know. So I'm like, what is, who is really George Santos then? He lied about everything. I thought he lied in order to make... The Republican Party look bad, and he was just a puppet for some, like, other moneyed interest in New York State somewhere. Probably a rhino, right? Or maybe, maybe a Democrat. I don't know. I mean, everything about him ended up being a lie. Wasn't that the way that that story ended, or am I wrong on that? I don't know. So, anyhow, so, 
uh i'm like now like okay so maybe he really is an actor of sorts like who is he working for right so now he's uh he's in this story now here's what made this story even more interesting i thought because it was published in the gateway pundit but they put a note here saying that it's a sponsored article which means that someone at new noah paid them to publish this okay and so they put up uh they put up a uh they put up a um advisory note saying that the gateway pundit does not necessarily agree with the opinion of the publisher yet they still publish it because they paid them so i just it's really interesting to me i don't know it's it's just it's a weird interesting factor i don't know what new noah is i i did not have the foresight to look it up uh prior to going live new noah what i don't understand what new noah is new noah what magazine i don't know like is it a magazine a publishing company oh is it this noah magazine i guess it's that right new noah i don't know Um, okay, let's look back here real quick. Is this it? I don't know. <laughs> new targets, new vaccine, new Noah. We will live well beyond 120 years. The new reality is coming. What is this? Okay. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Is this what George Santos is involved with or what? Like... I don't know what that is. Okay. All right. So I don't know what to think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just get back to the article. We're already confused enough by this, aren't we? Anyways. Okay. So, uh, so the Gateway Pundit was paid to publish this article. There's George Santos, right? I, I used to say that this was uh, Ross Matthews in disguise, right? <laughs> I was like, this is Ross Matthews on his off season. Anyways, I was just making fun. Okay, so this guy here, this Wangu guy, this is Wangu, what's his name? Guo Wangu or Miles Guo, right? He's the guy that was also involved in the Pros Michelle, okay? Uh, Joe Lowe, um, you know, uh, money laundering scandal and bribery scandal, okay? So that's why I'm like, who is George Santos then? He's a known liar, right? I thought I'm surprised he's still in office. But now he's over here trying to get this guy out who I mean here, the, here's the story guys. Here here's the story. So this this new no and so it's interesting to me because the Gateway Pundit was paid to publish the story and while the Gateway Pundit does not necessarily, you know, um as they said uh, uh believe in the opinion that's being expressed by the author um they're still allowing their audience to be exposed to this information so i find that interesting so on friday april 5th during a campaign stop republican congressman george santos visited the darlington mansion in new jersey which serves as the headquarters of the new federal state of china a social movement founded by guo wangu so what is this all about? Okay, so there is a mansion in Darlington, New Jersey. Okay, 
that is the headquarters of the new federal state of China. Okay, and this movement was founded by Guo Wangu, also known as Miles Guo. Guo is currently being detained without bail ahead of a trial in New York, which is virtually unprecedented. Hold on, let me, this is too big for me. Let me cut this down a little bit. Okay, sorry, that's better. I like this better. Sorry, I know it's a little bit smaller, but you know, it's still, still legible. Anyways, okay, so look at, okay, here we go. So it says, uh, he's being detained without bail ahead of trial in New York, which is uh, virtually unprecedented in a state with such lax bail laws. When it comes to the CCP's infiltration of U.S. society, Congress has had all eyes on TikTok and none on the CCP's infiltration of our courts, media, and more. Following years of warnings that the CCP had set up their own police stations on U.S. soil to monitor American citizens and Chinese dissidents, arre recent arrests in New York confirmed it. Dozens of officers of China's National Police Force were charged in connection to running an elite task force called the 912 Special Group. The 912 Group is named after September 12th, the day that Guo filed for asylum in the U.S. after fleeing CCP persecution. Santos is the first member of Congress to give the persecution of Guo, the public enemy number one of the CCP, the attention it deserves. Santos told a captive audience of NFC supporters that he'd be releasing a comprehensive and aggressive plan to tackle the CCP within the next few weeks, and that it would specifically be to advocate for a fair justice system and trial for Guo. Santos called into question how it was that the two CCP officers arrested for allegedly running a secret police station were released the same day without bail when Guo is still behind bars. Prosecutors uh, have argued that Guo would be a flight right, but as Santos rightly points out, these CCP officers would be even more of a flight risk. I guess that's what they meant, a flight risk. Um, so it makes no sense they were let out on bail, but not Guo. The contradictory statement only makes sense in light of an extensive CCP web of influence that has affected our courts. Through his advocacy for Guo, Santos also draws attention to the wider issues at stake regarding the CCP's plans for world domination. Santos highlighted the CCP's systemic human rights violations including its persecution of religious and ethnic minorities, suppression of freedom of expression, and its aggressive expansionist policies. By shedding light on these abuses, Santos brings the plight of countless individuals suffering under the CCP's oppressive rule to the forefront of discourse. I've done a lot of soul-searching. Okay, I don't care what Santos has to say. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I don't care what Santos has to say. This seems like another, like, you know, PR, you know, like, um, piece that's supposed to support Santos, right? And whatever's going on with Guo. Okay, so, uh, let's see here. Santos goes on to bloviate a little bit more. Okay. Uh, now it says here, while most members of Congress are happy to talk about China and then do nothing, Santos has emerged as someone, okay, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so let's see here. Um, as only, uh, as the only member of Congress actively act advocating for Guo's cause, 
Santos demonstrates an exceptional commitment to defending human rights and democracy, both within our borders and on a global scale. Now, what Santos needs to be mindful of is the last time someone tried to uh, lobby for one of these characters, they got uh, 20 to 50 years in jail. <laughs> It could be more. I don't know. Pros Michel could be facing more time than 20 to 50. Uh, but he certainly is. Um, so I don't know what this is. This is weird to me. Like, this is weird. Like, someone's doing a puff piece on George Santos for actively advocating for an enemy of the CCP. Okay, but, like, that's where I was like, this is weird. This is a weird article to me. Like, I don't understand... This, to me, says that Santos is uh, either uh, more involved in some kind of an operation or he's just really uh, out to kind of, like, make money or something. I don't know. Like, he might be like, what do you mean, out to make money? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, he's he's someone's puppet, right? Like, someone's like, here, Santos, go lobby for Guo. We'll give you, like, we'll throw a party in your honor. That, speaking of which, guys, has exactly to do with what I was talking about. Look, so yesterday we were talking about... Um, we, uh, well, yesterday, was it the, in the last episode, we were talking about Pros Michel, the former Fuji rapper, okay, who um, was involved in this money laundering and bribery. Uh, I mean, basically, I mean, this is like, this would be considered massive campaign funding violations if he were the candidate. But instead, what he did was he set up like a network of surrogate donors that he could funnel money into. So this way they could prop up Barack Obama's 2012 campaign okay so and you know and then like when i was talking about it last time i was saying well why doesn't barack obama get in trouble why does it well it's because he i mean as far as we know he had nothing to do with the setting up of this uh, these funds that were funneling being funneled into his campaign as far as we know all we know is that the person who was funneling all this money to this campaign is currently on the lam right He's currently uh, he's currently uh, on the run. Um, he's a wanted criminal internationally um, for money laundering schemes and other such um, um, other such um, uh, crimes. And so, you know, uh, this guy's also I think uh, been referred to as like the Great Gatsby of like Malaysia, right? So he's a big party guy, big, 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 big party guy. You know, I started watching the Wolf, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street today, right? Because I've had it in my collection for years, never watched it. You know, I'm surprised I didn't watch it, but I, I mean, I can see why I didn't. You know. Like, you know, movies that are about, like, what, these hedonistic, decadent type of lifestyles, you know, they used to be something that was, like, eh, it could have piqued my interest, but, I mean, uh, the raucous greed, and, like, there's the just exudes from, like, every character in that movie, like, I just, not the kind of people that I would chill with, you know what I mean, personally speaking? So, anyways, but the reason why I bring that up is because the guy who's on the lam, uh, I think it's this, this Joe Lowe guy is what they said his name was. Uh, he apparently, ladies and gentlemen, funded the Wolf of Wall Street, which is all about, you know, uh, Wall Street guys who party on the job. Anyways, so um, so there was this article again, and this is kind of a redux from yesterday, and if you guys aren't too familiar, this had actually a lot of information, right? Uh, the trial with A-listers, a Fuji, and a fugitive. And you'll see how this Milo Guo, or this Guo Wangwell, or whatever, what was his name again? What was this guy's name again? Milo Guo, right? My oh, Miles Guo or Guo Wangu, okay? We'll call him Guo Wangu, okay? I don't know. I like Guo Wangu better. You'll see how he was involved here as well. I mean, he was involved in this. So, you know, it was just interesting, right?
So you had uh, you had a uh, 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 Pros Michelle, right? Okay. Um, it says here, prosecutors allege that Mr. Michelle 50 took more than $100 million from Malaysian businessman Joe Lowe to convince former U.S. President Donald Trump to abandon an investigation and allow the extradition of a prominent dissident to China. Okay, so, you know, we're, we're talking about, this is just the, this is just the, okay, there were several charges this guy came up on, okay. He has like 10 counts against him, ladies and gentlemen. He's going away for a while, okay? He's going away for a while. Okay, it was a case of global intrigue, a multi-billion dollar corruption scheme, and a fugitive Malaysian tycoon sometimes referred to as Asia's Great Gatsby, a party man, right? He makes the parties, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he's all, oh, so Mr. Michel also stands accused of making illegal contributions to Barack Obama's 2012 United States presidential campaign using a network of third parties paid with foreign money. Okay, so this is the thing that he's in trouble for. And this thing right here with the President Trump campaign, he was trying to get them, he was trying to bribe them and get influence to cover up what happened with the Barack Obama campaign. Okay, so this article listed it kind of like in reverse, right? Okay, but this is the reason why the Trump incident happened. This is the reason why he took $100 million and tried to buy influence in order to get them to abandon the investigation into this, what happened in 2012. So he now faces uh, charges including conspiracy, witness tampering, and a failure to register as a foreign agent. If convicted, he faces more than 20 years in prison. He has been convicted, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so here's Joe Lowe. We're not going to get into this whole because we covered this in our previous episode. 41-year-old business, a businessman from Malaysia. That's uh, even what Leonardo DiCaprio said, right? Uh, during the uh, uh, court proceedings, Leonardo DiCaprio testified. Uh, some of the money allegedly uh, used to shower gifts on celebrities, including Leonardo DiCaprio, Kim Kardashian, Miranda Kerr. Okay, that's Joe Lowe. <laughs> okay. He looks like Gundam style. Anyways, court documents accuse Mr. Lowe of using Mr. Michelle as a funnel for illegal money, as much as $100 million used in a bid to obtain foreign access to an influence with high-ranking United States government officials for financial benefit. Investigators believe Mr. Lowe wanted to use the money to help lobby the Trump administration and Justice Department to drop their investigation into Mr. Lowe's involvement in the 1MDB scheme, for which he was ultimately indicted by U.S. prosecutors in 2018. Mr. Lowe is currently a fugitive and believed to be living in China, meaning that Mr. Michel will face the charges alone during the trial. Now here is Guo Wenggu. Guo Wenggu or Miles, Miles Guo, right, uh, from the George Santos case. Okay, <laughs> here they are. There's Guo Wengu and George Santos. So I don't understand what's going on here. I'm like, who the hell's George Santos then, right? So it says here, the second plot of Mr. Michelle um, and Mr. Lowe are, uh, are accused centers around Guo Wengu. Okay, the second plot of which Mr. Michelle and Mr. Lowe are accused of centers around Guo Wengu, a flashy exiled Chinese billionaire and vocal critic of the Chinese Communist Party. 
from his temporary home in New York City, a posh apartment overlooking Central Park said to be worth $67.5 million, Mr. Guo had drawn the ire of China's government by threatening to expose corruption and misdeeds among the country's political elite. In the United States, Mr. Guo had become close to people within Mr. Trump's orbit, President Trump's orbit, particularly former chief strategist Steve Bannon. Uh, prosecutors believe that Mr. Lo and an unnamed Chinese government minister sought to use Mr. Michelle in a bid to help lobby the Trump administration for Mr. Guo's removal and return to his country. The plot was unsuccessful. So that is Guo Wenggu. That does not even look like this guy. <laughs> is that the same guy? I guess that is the same guy, right? I can't, I can't tell with my face in the way. Hold on. Wait, hold on. Is that the same guy? It doesn't look like the same guy to me. <laughs> Do we have a different Guo Wenggu here or what? Guo Wenggu. Okay. <laughs> it does not look like the same. Okay. I don't know. Okay, now I'm confused. Guo Wengu. Okay, it's the same guy. Okay, he, he's just not flashy here. Okay, all right. Mr. Guo, however, now faces his own legal battle for being arrested by the FBI in February for allegedly masterminding a $1 billion fraud conspiracy. Okay, so what's up with that, right? He's facing his own legal battle after being arrested in February for allegedly masterminding a one billion fraud conspiracy. But this guy is being. This guy, <laughs> George Santos, like what's up with that? OK, what is up with that? So uh, didn't even mention it here. It did not even mention it here, did it? Did we read that? Did it mention that? I don't recall it mentioning it. Okay. I don't recall it mentioning it, guys. Did I miss something here? Maybe he has a filter, says Gunflower007. <laughs> Maybe it is a filter. Maybe he's using the deep fake machine. I don't know. That's weird, right? Okay, so hold on. Okay, we're not going to read. I mean, we talked about this. Like, Steve Wynn was involved in this also from uh, of Casino Resorts, uh, the Casino Resort mogul, Steve Wynn, right? Who'd have known? Who'd have known all of this? All of these people were involved in this, right? Here, look at, so you guys can see. Pras Michelle trial, how key figures are linked. Kuo Wingu, the billionaire Chinese dissident, is friends with uh, Steve Bannon, okay? Um, allegedly wanted Wingu returned to China was Pras Michel and Joe Lowe. Okay, so they're saying that these two guys wanted this guy extradited back to China. Okay, so that seems like that could make sense, right? These two guys are like anti-American, right? Uh, but this guy here has his own problems with the FBI, so that's kind of like a thing too. See, now Joe Lowe partly funded his film, The Wolf of Wall Street, and Pras Michelle donated and created a uh, network of uh, surrogate donors that, through him, funneled money to Obama, and Joe Lowe is the person who funneled money to Pras. Okay. They lobbied these guys to uh, be part of this uh, scheme. 
Oh, everything points back to President Trump. Doesn't that make sense, right? It was all Trump's fault, right? Okay. <laughs> They're all everything points back to Trump. <laughs> okay, so I don't get it. Anyways. Okay, so uh yeah, every okay, all right. So uh this this uh this story completely lost credibility. No, just kidding. Um, okay, so here's the next article. Guo Wangu, United States accuses Chinese because I want to figure out who this Guo Wangu is, right? Like, I don't know. Is that a filter? Like, is that a filter? It does not look like the same guy. Like, we know George Santos uses a filter, okay? But this Guo Wangu guy, like, is there more than one Guo Wangu? Like, I am just so confused right now. They look nothing alike, okay? <laughs> I'm like Business Insider Strikes again, okay? <laughs> I can't help it, guys. Okay, hold on. I need to know if Guo Wangu has more than one. How, how many Guos could a Wangu Guo if a Wangu could Wangu? <laughs> Sorry, hold on. Okay, we go, is maybe that's an O and not. Am I reading it wrong? Okay. <laughs> Hold on. No, it's Guo Wangui. Okay, I'm saying Wangu, but it's Wangui. Okay, so hold on. We must. Okay, I gave up on Noah, whatever that was. Okay. Gui Wangui. Guo Wangui. Okay, so this is the same Gui Wangui, right? Okay, now let's put Guo Wangui and George Santos, and let's see if we get a return that puts my mind at ease okay uh is this george santos he has a twitter i should follow this uh loser okay hold on hold on <laughs> it's the same picture okay it's got to be a filter gun flower it's got to be a filter this has got to be a filter, undoubtedly. Wait, I don't want to go to the Gateway Pundit. I want to go to George Santos. Okay. Miles Guo. Okay. Are you going to listen now? Free Miles. So it says here. Let's see what this says. Number one enemy of the CCP. Number one ally of the American Patriots. Um... 1357-9 plan. He warned about the CCP virus, COVID-19, in 2017. No one listened. Uh, he warned about the CCP's plan to destroy the American economy and use dollar. No one listened. He warned about the CCP infiltration of American business, schools, and government. No one listened. Now he's warning about the CCP's weaponization of the U.S. justice system, sacrificing his freedom as a living testament to this political witch hunt against him. Are you gonna listen now? Okay, this is interesting. Okay, so why is the FBI after him then? Let's find out. The U.S. accuses Chinese tycoon of billion-dollar fraud. U.S. authorities have charged, it says here, um, a, a Chinese property tycoon based in New York with orchestrating a billion-dollar fraud, Guo Wenggu, or Guo Wangi, okay, Guo Wangi and one of his business partners, Kin Ming Zhe, are accused of wire fraud, securities fraud, bank fraud, and money laundering. 
Mr. Guo is a critic of the Chinese government and an associate of ex-White House chief strategist Steve Bannon. A fire broke out at Mr. Guo's Manhattan penthouse apartment hours after he was arrested. A spokesman for the city's fire department said the fire was put out, no injuries were reported, and the cause is still under investigation. Mm, excuse me. In an online post earlier, Mr. Guo said he was handcuffed and interrogated for more than an hour. He later pleaded not guilty in a Manhattan federal court on Wednesday and was ordered to be detained without bail. Mr. Guo goes by several aliases, including Miles Guo, Miles Kwok, and Brother Seven. He was named in the indictment unsealed Wednesday as Ho Wan Kwok. The indictment alleges that Mr. Guo and Mr. Xi raised $1 billion from thousands of online followers who thought they were funding media businesses and an exclusive membership club. Oh, that's interesting, huh? So the indictment alleges that Mr. Guo and Mr. G raised $1 billion from thousands of online followers who thought they were funding media businesses and an exclusive membership. They also allegedly used a cryptocurrency called Himalaya coin to steal millions from investors. So do you guys think this is real? Do you guys think this is true, ladies and gentlemen? Or do you think that it's political persecution on one of Steve Bannon's friends? And I want to find this indictment now because I'm like, who are the followers that they pilfered thousands of dollars from online? I mean, million, a billion, a billion dollars from online. Excuse me, not thousands. It was thousands of followers that they pilfered a billion dollars from. Mr. Guo's opposition to the Chinese Communist Party and his links to high-profile right-wing U.S. politicians and activists earned him hundreds of thousands of online followers, most of them Chinese people living in Western countries. Prosecutors say he took advantage of his prolific online presence to raise money for his venture, but instead of being invested in business, the funds were allegedly funneled into personal accounts tied to Mr. Guo and Mr. Xi. Among other things, the money was spent on a 50,000-square-foot mansion in New Jersey, Lamborghinis, uh, a Lamborghini, a Bugatti, and Ferrari sports cars, and nearly $1 million worth of Chinese and Persian rugs. Prosecutors say $100 million was put into a high-risk hedge fund and other money was spent on luxury goods, including a $140,000 piano, a $62,000 television, and a $53,000 fireplace log cradle holder. Wow, guys. So what is up with this? And now we have George Santos, this guy here, going to bat for this Guo guy. I think maybe Santos is just a puppet, right? He's like, I'll get some money if I go to bat for Guo and try and get you some influence. I mean, hello, Pros Michelle is going to jail, Mr. Santos. <laughs> <laughs> I guess some people never learn. Whoops. Keeps going to this one. Okay, so so here's some of the things. Okay, so this article was published by the BBC and this was on it was last month on March 16th, y'all. Interesting. Gunflower 007 says fishy, very fishy. So here's here's a lamb, right? Oh, this is Bugatti. My bad. Sorry, I'm not a, I'm not a sports car person. Excuse me. Okay, custom-built Bugatti worth appro approximately 4.4 million. Here's a yacht 
2.3 million, right? Starting in September last year, the U.S. government seized approximately $634 million of the proceeds from 21 different bank accounts. 21 different bank accounts, guys! The indictment alleges that Mr. Guo built his following among opponents of the Chinese Communist Party by founding two nonprofit organizations. Who is Guo Wengi? Mr. Guo was a real estate developer who reportedly became one of China's richest men before leaving the country in 2014. In 2017, he claimed political asylum in the United States, alleging persecution by the Communist Party authorities. Mr. Guo has been the target of social media campaigns backing the Chinese government, but has also been accused of spreading false rumors about COVID and other subjects on his social media accounts and websites. His outspoken opposition to China's rulers inspired several ventures with Mr. Bannon. They have appeared frequently together in online videos, and in 2020, they launched a campaign called The New Federal State of China, with the goal of overthrowing the Chinese Communist Party, right? Taking down the CCP! <laughs> Sorry, okay. Later that year, Mr. Bannon was arrested while on Mr. Guo's yacht in Connecticut. Okay, I remember this. Um, and he was, he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was, um, pardoned. So Mr. Bannon was charged in an unrelated case with fraud and alleged scheme to defraud people who funded a not-for-profit company to build a wall on the U.S. border of Mexico. So this was the yacht that the guy was on, the guy that Mr. Bannon, that the, <laughs> that the guy was on. No, this is the yacht, Mr. Bon, Mr. Bonin. <laughs> Okay, it's time to close up shop, guys. Okay, no, this was the this was the yacht that Mr. Bannon was on, that Steve Bannon was on when he got arrested, but he was charged in an unrelated case. Okay, I just wanted to make that clear. Um, so, anyways, uh, Steve Bannon did plead not guilty in that case and was not named in the indictment against Mr. Guo or Mr. G. So he was cleared of that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, last year, Mr. Guo's GTV Media uh, Group agreed to pay $539 million to the Securities and Exchange Commission, the U.S. financial regulator, to settle a lawsuit alleging the company had misled um, had misled uh, investors into a cryptocurrency investment scheme. The company admit wrongdoing in the case. Mr. Xi was also uh, all, who also goes by the name William Xi was named in the indictment as Mr. Guo's financier. He is a dual citizen of Britain and Hong Kong, lives in London, and is still at large, authority said. He's listed by UK Companies House as the director of two financial service companies, headquartered in West London, ACA Capital and Hamilton Investment Management. Among the funds seized by US authorities were bank accounts linked to Hamilton and Together, an alt-tech social media platform funded in part by Mr. Guo. So this Mr. Guo, who's friends with Bannon, does have his fingers in some Patriot platforms, or is Getter still a Patriot platform? I don't know. The BBC uh, has contacted the companies in a statement. One of Mr. Guo's foundations called the allegations against him fabricated and unwarranted and accused the U.S. justice system of being controlled by the Chinese Communist Party without providing evidence. So I guess this would all hinge on whether or not there's actual evidence, right? I mean, we've seen crazier things, right? I mean, we've seen crazier things. Guo Wengi, how a Chinese tycoon built a pro-Trump money machine. 
I mean, this could be propaganda, right? So it says here, when Chinese tycoon and notable dissident Guo Wengi was charged with masterminding a $1 billion fraud, it was only the latest chapter in the saga of a man with connections to powerful people in China, the U.S., and the U.K. In early June 2020, at the tail end of... And again, this was what published... Uh, this was published March 25th. So it says here, uh, in July, in, June, in early June 2020, at the tail end of the city's uh, first COVID lockdown, a fleet of small planes baffled New Yorkers. They circled overhead, towing banners that read, congratulations to the new federal state of China, and flew an unfamiliar-looking blue flag. Was it a prank, a stunt, weird propaganda? The mystery was solved a few days later when Chinese billionaire Guo Wengi and former White House Chief of Staff uh, strategist Stephen Bannon appeared live online. Together on a boat near the Statue of Liberty with the same blue flag in the background, they awkwardly took turns speaking to the camera. We must eliminate Marxism-Leninism, the pariah and totalitarian regime of the Chinese Communist Party, Mr. Guo declared. It was the latest collaboration between the two men who built large networks of online followers based on their... Okay, so I get it. I get it. I get it. There's the there's the video of them. I still say that looks nothing like the guy that was with George Santos. So my question here is with the George Santos thing, right? And now we have, like, uh, you know, Gunflower. <laughs> Tam Growl taking down the CCP. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Gunflower said need more solid evidence. Yeah, I would have to look into that more. I mean, was there evidence presented or was it just all allegations, right? I mean, they do those tactics in lawfare in order to, uh, you know, in order to, uh, you know, uh, I guess you could say gum up the works, as it were. You know, the good works of patriots and uh, those who want to restore this republic. So, you know, I thought, you know, I want, I was like, this is a weird story. See, I told you we would work it out together, ladies and gentlemen. I was curious about what the heck was going on here, right? But, uh, you know, all of these other things, though, I mean, if these photos of, like, uh, you know, Lamborghinis and Bugattis and all that stuff is any evidence, ladies and gentlemen, then there could be something going on there. I mean, uh, they said they uh, they pulled it from 21 bank, bank accounts, right? 21 different bank accounts. So then it gives, I guess, like a retrospect on the life of Mr. Guo going from rags to riches, right, in uh, communist China. Coming to America, etc. So anyhow. Very curious. The Bannon-inspired content production formula worked and thousands of Mr. Gross fans took action online and off. Oh, I see. Okay. So I guess there was a collaboration. Well, you know, if uh, Steve Bannon is a political strategist and he can collaborate with people, I don't know that I would necessarily say that, you know... You know, if Steve Bannon gave him, like, you know, the tools to fish, I mean, you can't necessarily, you know, like, uh, blame Steve Bannon if he was giving the people, like, fake fish, right? <laughs> I mean, Steve Bannon didn't tell him to use fake fish, right? I mean, that's just kind of what I'm seeing here, anyways, without reading the rest of the article, because it's late, guys, but, you know, that was interesting, Fraud allegations. So here's where it talks about the fraud allegations. I guess we'll, I guess we'll close this story off with some of you know, what they, what is seen as fact here. Okay, Mr. Gru's network came crashing down last week when U.S. authorities charged him with orchestrating a billion-dollar fraud, according to the incident. 
5,500 investors sunk a total of $452 million into GTV, which Mr. Guo claimed was worth $2 billion. In reality, it is alleged it was a new business and had no revenue. That's interesting. I think I've seen some... I think I saw GTV stuff, or am I imagining things? Possible signs that things were unraveling date back all the way to August 2020 when Mr. Bannon was arrested aboard a yacht owned by Mr. Guo, accused of... Okay, so that was already... He was already for um, pardoned for that. As Mr. Guo and Mr. Bannon were cementing their partnership in the new federal state project, U.S. authorities had begun investigating their business activities. It led to Mr. Guo's companies facing allegations of misleading investors, forcing him to pay $539 million to settle a lawsuit by the Securities and Exchange Commission. Okay. It says, in a statement issued through Mr. Guo's foundations, his representatives called the allegations against him fabricated and unwarranted and accused the U.S. justice system of being controlled by the Chinese Communist Party without providing evidence. They did not respond to further question and declined an interview request. A lawyer for Mr. Xi, Mr. Guo's business partner, says he vehemently, vehemently denies the allegations. Mr. Bannon was not named in the indictment and did not respond to the messages. In the uh, days after the FBI raid, he covered a range of topics on his podcast, including COVID, the 2020 election, and China. But Mr. Guo's arrest was not one of them. Interesting that. So, well, I think we've come to the bottom of it and we found out who's on top, ladies and gentlemen. Very interesting article that... Very interesting article indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, all right, guys. So that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode of The Sea Report. Just a couple of stories there to toss at you. Uh, thanks for being here. If you uh, enjoyed the content tonight, please, by all means, make sure that you hit that like button, hit that rumble button, and uh, follow or subscribe, ladies and gentlemen. Alrighty, guys, I'm going to head on out. I'm already tired. We've got uh, another day of shows coming up tomorrow, most likely. So make sure you're here. Make sure you follow along if you like the live streaming. Um, you know, otherwise, if you're catching a replay, thanks for doing that as well. Um, and I um, will continue um, um, cutting up segments and clips of the show. Um, publishing them over at Rumble for now, of course. Uh, so, you know, if anything strikes your fancy, please feel free to share it across your social medias. Spread the word if you like the show. Uh, and we'll see you guys another time. You guys have a great night. As always, be safe, be blessed. God bless America. We'll catch you guys on the flip side, as they say. Take care till then. to the flag of the United States of America.
and to the republic for which it stands. under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all.